Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are uh, go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Terry Plucknett, and joining me, we've got Todd, we've got Zach, we've got Adam. This is episode 159. Uh, we're uh, recording this on Sunday, January 16th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Of course, you know that if you're watching the YouTube live stream, because we're live streaming this on YouTube. Hey, we thought it was, a, it's a special occasion. This is the the uh, yearly reveal of the top 10 list. So we thought, uh, let, let's let's get it out there. Let the people decide. Um, uh, and so we also, I mean, on our podcast, you may have noticed if you've been listening that we, uh, we talk about the football that happens to be going on while we're recording. Now you actually get to, you know, hear it live. Anyways, I'm talking a lot right now. Uh, how's it going, guys? Go Niners. Let's go. I just have one question, which is what would what is the one food that 49ers kicker Robbie Gould would never eat? <laughs> there we go, Nickelodeon Live. <laughs> I, I don't know. The answer is salami. That's what? thank you. I just lost so much respect for Robbie Gould. I, as if I had any to begin with. I wonder if they give like these these stats for like refs. Like if they ask Jerome Boger, you know, what his favorite thing is to do besides, you know, ruining uh, football games. <laughs> oh, SpongeBob! SpongeBob is so when a field when they start kicking a field goal, SpongeBob is magically in the uh, crossbars. That's interesting. Gotta, you gotta love the Nickelodeon broadcast. Yep. So yeah, we've got the we've got the Niners Cowboys game on. We'll be reacting to that as we go along. Uh, behind me, I have I have a Dune playing right now. You can kind of see it. It's there. If I move don't out of the a, way, don't get we'll a, be able to We're see live it. on YouTube now. Don't get it for the copyright strike now, Terry. Oh yeah, yeah. They, because they you can totally TV, tell. You could <laughs> say, there. There's a there was a person on the screen. That that's what you could tell. True. True. <laughs> you come to the right place if you want a bit torrent. Dune. exactly Welcome. exactly uh all right well this is gonna be a lot of fun uh I, we always love we love lists and so this is always like one of the highlights of our year is being able to reveal our top tens i mean it, it'd be great if we could do something fun like this like once a month but it doesn't really work it, it can only be once a year so it's an event podcast and we're doing an event to uh to celebrate it here all right well let's get into this First, we're, we're not we're not reviewing anything. We're not doing anything like that. We're just jumping right into our list because that's whoa, whoa, that's whoa. what we do. But what are we drinking? That there we go. There we go, Mr. Bill Murray here. Uh, let's see here. We're gonna start with Todd. Todd, what are you drinking? I got a Manhattan because it's a good there occasion, go. and it's always a good occasion for Manhattans anyway. So well done. I like that glass. Yeah, it was, it was shaken too. Not stirred. Makes it's good. Sure. What you did there. A little frothy. Zach, what do you got? 
Uh, I've been doing Dry January since uh, January 12th, and um, <laughs> I've been having a Agua Fria because there's no way I could make it through this list. Also, just navigating the screens on my computer uh, <laughs> yeah, while true. intoxicated. So you need a lot of attention to detail here. And uh, yeah. Unacceptable. <laughs> that Aquafina looks really good on, in your hand. It, it, Thank you. It's it's a new Starbucks cup for the new year, by the way. Dry November since the twelfth. Uh, January, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds Very like nice. you need a dry January too, Terry. Confusing months. I said since the twelfth. You said November, but. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I meant dry January. Oh, two weeks their own. Adam. What do you got? You've been slimed. Can we slime Terry? Can we do slime? <laughs> Adam, can we do that effect? Well, we could we could do this. We could do this. We can do that. Oh, hold on a second. Wait a second. No, no, no. Remove. No, there we go. I messed up. What did I do now? Oh, we banished him. Even better. Even better. <laughs> now it's all out of order. You messed it up, Adam. There we go. There we go. We're fixed now. Okay. All right, Adam, what are you drinking? Well, I went to the, the brewery. I sound like Terry right now. I went to the brewery this morning, and I got some, uh, you know, double IPA. It used to be called Balls Deep, but it's the they're from Seven uh, Seven Seas Brewery. Very good one. And um, I may have to go into the water because, yeah, this uh, napping <laughs> different screens would be uh, really a devastation. Uh, Thank you. It's right very now. difficult to do. Yeah, because I have, I have to record my own audio, check for comment, YouTube comments, check my notes, Make and sure then we, list is we know yeah. something's going to happen in your background. Like there's going to be a dog that comes in or screaming children or your boss is going to call about a broken porta potty. It's going to happen at some point. So I get another bonus. Who knows? Another, exactly. Get, <laughs> get, get a Martin Luther King Jr. Day bonus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, what I have here. And you're right that this is all right. I uh, I got from Ridgewalker Brewery. This is uh, their Hop into the Matrix uh, hazy IPA. Oh, yeah. I got a can of this for Todd for uh, for Christmas. It's good stuff. I, I I like a hazy IPA. Ooh, will um, the Matrix make our top tens? No. Okay. Cool. Pro- well, I, was that I a viewer question? I would have <laughs> had to see it, but <laughs> yeah, true. All right, so. Uh, we've got a lot of like stats we want to get to. Do we want to like go around and talk about all our stats first, or stats and bottom five? Let's do stats and bottom five. Let's do it. Okay. okay. So I'm starting us all off here, and uh, yeah, this is gonna be fun. So my here here are the stats here for for my 2021 year. 71 films I watched from 2021 um, so far, so uh, which numbers. is pretty good. What? I get those numbers up. Hey, I, I've done top ten lists with thirty movies watched. So seventy-one, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed. But you do a double featured once a week. That should be at least a hundred movies. Yeah, well, <laughs> true. I didn't start That's doing that again until like mid-year. Thanks, pandemic. Um. Anyway, true. seventy-one films, <laughs> fifty-two thumbs up. Uh, so that's a seventy-three percent thumbs up percentage, which is it's pretty high. I'll I'll admit it's pretty high. But I, I just I, there were a lot of movies I liked. Um, I had uh, so I rank my movies on a scale of one to a hundred, and for me to be a thumbs up movie, it has to be over. It has to be eighty or over. And my average ranking of a movie this year was eighty two point two. So I mean, 
that's that's right right around where it needs to be. Uh, so those are my stats for you. Now let's get into uh, get into my bottom five, the worst movies of 2021 for me. Number five, I was hoping would be one of the like little surprise nuggets I found, but it turned out to be like garbage, and that was Wolf. Um, this oh, movie, wow. this Michelle movie Pfeiffer? about these people oh. who thought they were animals, and they were in like conversion therapy. It, it, it could have been great. It ended up being boring. Uh, number four uh, is a movie we reviewed on the podcast, Cry Macho. Uh, oh, I wow. did not have okay. very high expectations for it, and um, that was exactly what I got out of it, was not very much. Um, Clint needs to stop acting. Number three is one of the more disappointing movies. However, I never thought it looked good in the first place, and that's House of Gucci. Um, it is number three on my bottom five. Why number that two on our banner. Sorry, Terry. Why wasn't that on our Photoshop? That should have been on there. It could have been. It could have been. <laughs> yeah, it probably will. Number two uh, is another movie that got I did decent at the box office, but wasn't really that great. And that's Jungle Cruise. Yeah, it, it just good. was it, it just was kind of boring. And number one, which might be a consensus, I don't know, we'll see it by the end of this. Worst movie of the year was Space Jam a New Legacy. Um one of the worst movies I've seen in a very, very long time. I think it's been like fifteen years since I saw a movie that bad. So uh that that's that's my bottom five. Wolf Cry Macho, House of Gucci, Jungle Cruise, and Space Jam Two. Zach, give us your stats in bottom five. Okay, so I just have a couple things to say, though, before we move on. First of all, um, I watched about 30 minutes, maybe, of Jungle Cruise, and I thought it was not terrible. I was wondering, where is Brandon Fraser in this movie? That was that, That's really why I stuck around that long. Brandon. His name is Brendan. Oh, excuse me. Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, uh, my list. Let's see. I, I didn't really do this too much in advance. I watched uh, 88 movies. Um, and I gave, let's see, uh, 46 thumbs up. That's a horrible percentage for me. I mean, that's almost 50%. Most of the year I was kind of flirting with majority movies, thumbs down. So a lot of movies suck this year. And, uh, let's see. Okay. So bottom five movies, I'll kind of go through these fast. Um, number five, I'm going to make a switch just because this one's more on my mind. The tender Ooh, audible, audible the last second. Yeah, my number six movie, I don't even really remember. Uh, number five is The Tender Bar. Terrible, atrocious. Ben Affleck, as a bartender, that you should only do that when you're watching Extract, okay? That's the only movie he should be doing that in. Uh, number four, a uh, movie that uh, you guys loved, Nobody. Maybe I was too harsh <laughs> on it, but I don't want to spend... I, I spent $15 on that movie. I'm probably being too hard on it. I don't know. I wasn't in the right mood. I, I, you know, it was, uh, it, it disrespected buses. Number three, uh, worst movie of the year, F9, The Fast Saga. Gosh, I'm realizing Todd gave multiple thumbs up to these movies. Uh, just awful in every sense of the word. Number two, House of Gucci, for the same reasons that Terry said. And number one, with a bullet, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Now, I will say about Space Jam, A New Legacy, that I also recently watched like about 20 minutes of the Looney Tunes back in action movie with Brendan Fraser making a <laughs> there we go. surprise bid for MVP this podcast. And uh, 
that was not dramatically different than um, Space Jam. It gave me like a little bit of a newfound, like, okay, well, they always kind of do this IP, you know, selling crap to kids BS. So really how bad is Space Jam? But then I remember Todd's point in our review of it, which is that they actually tell LeBron it's a terrible idea to do what they're about to do, which I think is the best criticism of that movie that I heard. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's horrible. Avoid we did have a comment. Possible. We have a comment real come, come in here. From Andy. Let's see here. Show it. Come on. Come on. Show it. It was there. It, it was there a second It, it popped up. Okay. Well, anyway, it says, what? You didn't like all the different movies and IP they explored in Space Jam? Yeah, I assume no, that's... No, we, we did not like sarcastic. the commercial that was Space Jam. Very funny. <laughs> no. 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 All right, Adam, bottom five. Instance. All right, bottom. Okay, uh, stats. I've watched 104 movies this year. Holy uh, about- cow. <laughs> about a 60% or so, roughly, rounding up to thumbs up. I thought there was some, a lot of films. I try to stay away from the movies I could tell I was not going to like, but there was some that I got suckered into. And that's the, my bottom five. Number five, t- debut on HBO Max, Tom and Jerry. My wife says I'm a little too harsh on it, uh, but I, I didn't really care for that too much at all. Number four was a very disappointing movie, which will appear on my wife's most top five disappointing movies. It's Don't Breathe 2. Uh, they should have went with that fan. There was a fan theory going around how they could go into the second or the second the sequel here. And that was just that's not a good movie. Don't Breathe 2. Number three was that Paramount Plus movie, Infinite with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that was infinitely bad. Uh, number three, number two, number two. I Yeah, there we go. Number two. I like is how you said it with that. Where like Mark Wahlberg's name is part of the title, Infinite with Mark Wahlberg, I and mean, that's that's the title of the movie, right? Right. I mean, yeah, it is the only reason to watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, number two was a movie that I really like. These dumb, like, like quote unquote monster movies, like animals getting like the killer animals, but Aquarium of the Dead, where uh, this somehow this aquarium becomes starts killing people. Uh, very <laughs> stupid. But not as bad as my number one movie, and that is The Addams Family 2. Space Jam could have been on this list, but Addams Family 2 is the only film that I gave zero stars to. And my wife and I are like, why does my daughter want to watch this one? And there was like some joke. I almost tempted just to turn it off. But uh, yeah, Addams Family 2 is my least favorite film of the year, uh, though Space Jam 2 could be up there. Who knows? Yeah, we just avoid watching those movies. When they ask, can we watch that movie? I say no. We'll watch a good yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll watch the uh, Adam's Family Values, one of the best yes. Thanksgiving movies of all time. <clears throat> we had a couple other comments come in here too. Uh, from Not Today, we have uh, Space Jam was rough. Looney Tunes didn't have Clockwork Orange characters, at least, right? <laughs> exactly. Could have. And then Joey, what's up, Joey? How you doing, man? Hello, he says. There we go. Long time uh, follower of the channel. Todd, stats and bottom five. Uh, so I watched 141 movies. Oh my god! Which is man, up pay this man up from 134 from last year. Which I don't know how I watched more than I did when <laughs> everything was streaming. Uh, my thumbs up percentage is 50.35 percent, which is I mean wow. it's always between 50 and 55 percent. Last year was 52.98 percent. So I'm right in the the same range I always am. My bottom five, uh, yeah, my number five is House of Gucci, which, I mean, it, it's just awful. And my number four is 
Midnight in the Switchgrass, which is a Bruce Willis movie Bruce directed Willis. by professional talk. poker player uh, Randall Emmett. And it's it's pretty bad. Uh, number three is Don't Look Up. There's no redeeming qualities to that movie. <laughs> number two is The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain, which actually has a 97% of Rotten Tomatoes because mainstream critics are a parody of themselves. This is an offensively bad movie, just like the best the live-action short winner last year. And my number one, of course, is Space Jam New Legacy, which should never exist. Wow. Wow. So you 97, didn't like... 97%... On Rotten Tomatoes, and it's in it's your third worst movie of the year. Second worst, wow. yes. Second worst. It was nominated for multiple Spirit Awards, which Frankie Faison is actually really good in it. But I mean, the 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 way the movie's told, I mean, it's just it's wrong. You can't do that. You have really discouraged me from watching that film. Well, you have to watch <laughs> I, it to vote. I will be. Yeah, I will watch it eventually. But it's been one of those ones. I like. I'm gonna start this one. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna watch something else. I don't, I don't want to. I need to focus on top ten possible movies, and that's not gonna be one of them. So, Joey, thank you for making me feel better about myself. I, at least I have you beat. He only watched 43 new releases. So and I almost you. exactly doubled you up, Terry. I, I know. I know. <laughs> and and I was like, I'm like happy about that number. Like, nice, 71. That's a that's a good number. Literally, I've done I've done top ten lists on this with like twenty five to thirty movies from well, Overwatch. And I feel like Todd, there was a period between around Thanksgiving and Christmas when you had like no time to watch movies. So so really, yeah, it's a testament to how much you especially watched like during the summer and maybe early twenty twenty one. Yeah, but and, then, then and even in that time though, like he was he was catching like during his breaks, he was watching some of the film independent screeners, and so he'd. It's like, oh, I didn't watch anything. I just watched these five twenty twenty one movies that were nominated for Spirit Awards. Well, and that just shows when we did our list of the best non-2021 movies that we watched, like, I didn't have that many options. <laughs> like, I think I had a three-star movie on there because I just didn't watch that many older movies. That's fair. That's fair. Now, now, well, we... how, how many total did you watch, Todd, from t- in 2021? What did you say last week or the week before? How many total what? Did you movies? Did you give us a total of how many total you oh. watched in 2021? I no, I, I don't. I don't really keep track of that. Okay, never mind then. What would be interesting to keep track of is how many of these movies we watched in theaters. Oh, I've only did like fifteen. This is set, which is sad. Wow, I keep, I keep track of that. Yeah, I I don't keep track of that, but I could go yeah, back and either. look. It would just take me some time. Yeah, I could I could count, but that, that's not good uh, live. <laughs> that is not good live. Yeah, we'll edit that <laughs> out. Live. Yeah, we'll edit we'll edit that out. Of live. Okay. Well, let's well, get well, into well, what we're actually here to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that is to talk about our, our top 10. So I'm going to start us off first before we get into top 10 movies I still need to see that are not in my or that are would be considered potentially. Um, I have six listed here. I haven't seen Drive My Car. Uh, I haven't seen Tatan. Uh, which probably wouldn't make up my list, but I have to throw it out there. I haven't seen it yet. Um, the the most hairy movie left out there that I haven't seen is Cyrano. Um, then you've got uh, A Hero, which uh, is coming out next week, which we're probably going to review next week. And then Mass and Fleet are, are other movies I haven't watched yet. So uh, so there couple, we go. A couple comments came in real quick. Yeah, go for it. Not today. In a good year, I'll catch like 15 films, too much time spent watching stuff i've already seen that's not a bad that's, thing that's though. the balance least... it's the balance of what, what you've seen and and watching new stuff yeah 
I, I feel by like the way, that. Geekly Goods, what's up, Leo? A mass is so good. We may be talking about one of those movies. We'll see. I haven't seen it yet. All right. Well, let's get into number 10. Number 10. Ooh, I like that number 10 almost covers up Todd's entire face. Like yeah, just, that, that there is we pretty go. nice. There we go. Does, That's does, nice. <laughs> put it right in the middle. All right. Number 10. Uh, so number 10 for me is uh, actually a surprise number 10. I Wait, Terry, before Merlot's, you... right? Yeah, Merlot's, yeah. right? Oh, yes. Explain, explain what Merlot's mean. Because, Let's talk about know. Merlot's. Yeah. So uh, as we're going along, uh, if a movie is uh, higher up on someone else's list, if there's going to be some crossover, it's higher up on someone else's list. Uh, as they announce the movie, if someone says Merlot, that means we're going to table the conversation on that movie until it comes up on the next person's list. Because if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Now we are almost sideways. So, uh, what there would have go. been funny is if we had Merloed our bottom list because it wouldn't have been necessary because of Space Jam. That's we true. all had that number one, so the Merlot actually wouldn't have played Adam. a factor. Adam at all. loved the movie. Adam was a fan. Which which movie I missed? I was reading the comments. Sorry, dude. Space Jam. No, no, no. Adam's Adam's priorities are clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that, that, this is a great comment that needs to be shown. Uh, from my wife, a small child may be yelling hello to you guys in our house. So Yay. they're downstairs yelling Hi, hello at us. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. All right. Let's get into it. Number 10. Uh, I'll, uh, let's see here. Surprise entry onto my list. I threw it on just as it's a, it was a random Netflix movie. But I'm like, you know what? This has some pedigree behind it. I want to watch it. And it turned out to be a real surprise for me. It is... The guilty. Um, hmm. It is. Uh, let's see here. Should I go full screen? I'll go full screen on this one. All right. So the guilty is a remake of a foreign film. Uh, this one's directed by Antoine Fuqua and stars Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like the perfect movie to make during a pandemic because Jake Gyllenhaal is like the only person in it. There's like maybe one or two other people you see and everybody else is voice actors. And he is a cop who's working the 911 um, operating system. And he's talking through like this hostage crisis. And it is just brilliantly intense. It's a really quick 90 minutes um, and uh, just a, a lot of fun. And the, the cast on this is insane. The voice actors, you've got Riley Keough, you've got Peter Sarsgaard, again, in a horrible role, uh, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Uh, is in is in this um yeah it's a great cast but jake gyllenhaal i mean you what else can you say it's jake gyllenhaal and it it's a great movie it's on netflix now if you haven't watched it go watch it i, I know todd's seen the original but this one is really really good and it's jake gyllenhaal showing what he can do so number 10 on my top 10 of the year is the guilty i've had a lot of uh a lot of my students recommend that one. I think it caught on with the young kids for whatever reason. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, I it's no just an why, intense but... thrill ride, but enough where like you don't see anything happen. You just hear it happen. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that uh, the ambulance movie that he's in coming up pretty soon. That is like the opposite of this. That oh, is where you see way, way, way too many things happen. But it is Jake Gyllenhaal. You're it right. is. Uh, you'll watch anything. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Now, Todd, you saw the original, right? But you haven't seen the remake yet? Correct. I know. I need to watch it. It's been on my list since you reviewed it. Just when I found out that it was being made. 
<laughs> All right. We're going to Zach next, number 10. All right. So uh, one of the things that I like about the Merlot system is that uh, I'm guaranteed to have a few movies that no one's heard of except for maybe Todd. So I don't worry too much about that. And my number 10, no one's going to Merlot because... Wait, what movies haven't you seen yet? Oh, oh yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Let me... I actually wrote that down. Uh, Tragedy Macbeth, Memoria, A Hero, obviously. Worst Person in the World. I mean, no one's seen that. Uh, Drive My Car. Interesting story about Drive My Car. I was going to see it. I even texted Todd that I was going to see it. And then a snowstorm hit. Uh, I may uh. be seeing it tomorrow. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, and uh, let's see. Petite Maman, the most Zach movie ever made. I mean, that I can't really give my top 10 list without seeing that movie, but whatever. Uh, there's this movie from Belgium I want to see called Playground. And then I do have to say, Mitchell's versus Machines, I still haven't seen it. But everybody loves it, including people on this podcast. So I, I should check it out. Oh, and Flea. I haven't seen that either. I want to see that. Anyway, uh, okay, back to uh, my, my my number 10 movie has 564 votes on uh, IMDb. It's a really great movie. It is directed by Shatara Michelle Ford, and the film is called Test Pattern. It came out earlier uh, in the year and uh, streaming. I don't know if it got really a big theatrical release, but it stars... Uh, Brittany S. Hall and Will Brill mm-hmm. as a couple, and they're, I believe they live in Austin, Texas, and uh, a sexual assault occurs uh, in the movie, and uh, the movie kind of shows the reaction to this assault that kind of breaks up this couple in some ways, and the response of trying to get uh, hospital care and the police involved proves to be very bureaucratic and difficult, and uh, some people have compared this movie to Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which was my number one movie of last year. Yes, it has a similar vibe, although we actually, I think we find out a little bit more about these characters' backstories. There's some flashbacks in here that are really interesting. And I think these two main actors have this great chemistry. Uh, the biggest problem I had with this movie, honestly, was the runtime, uh, which was a big theme this year, except it, this in this case, this movie was too short. I wish it had been like 20 minutes longer because I, I feel like there's not a lot of resolution in it. And I love these characters so much. I want to see what happens to them. So really great movie. Brittany S. Hall is amazing in it. Uh, Test Pattern, my number 10. Really, really awesome feature film. I have heard of that movie. It's uh, it's on my uh, watch list for uh, Spirit Indie, Indies. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It yeah. It's her, it's her feature film debut, uh, Shatara uh, Michelle Ford. So a really cool, promising filmmaker to watch out for. Nice. All right. Sounds good. Adam, number 10. All right. My number 10. Movies I have not seen first. Last oh, Night yeah. in Soho. Edgar Wright's movie. I've not seen it. Oh. haven't even seen a trailer. That's But I've, uh, I've put it off. And uh, How did you yeah. avoid the trailer? <laughs> trailer. I've walked out of theaters <laughs> several times, yeah. Walked out of the trail. I drive my car, licorice pizza, red rocket, which I didn't get a chance to see. Oh, quite I yet. see that one too. Titan, Quavadas, Aida, a hero, Coda, compartment number six, flea, and the worst person in the world. There are probably a couple other ones I forgot to mention, but if know. I was going to see one more movie this week before the podcast, it was going to be Quavadas, Aida, and I didn't get to it. Yeah, I was going to try to watch Titan. That's the one I was going to try to watch, but. I got busy this morning. So (laughs) anyway, uh, so my number 10 is a film that uh, hasn't really got a wide release too much. It only has 2,700 votes on IMDb. It is a Spirit Indie Award nominee, and that is a film called Pleasure, directed by Ninja Heinberg. 
and basically this one is about a, a girl that moves from Sweden to LA to become the next big porn star. And this movie is very in your face and very um, uncomfortable to watch. It's, feels very uncomfortable to watch. I can definitely say that. It's a hardcore look in the porn industry in its raw, rawest form. It doesn't glamorize it. It actually, it's it's just it's, it's traumatic in the way it had depicts this uh, the story here. The performance alone from I'm trying to pull up her name real quick um, from Sophia Capel Capel is what she has to go through in this film is uh, very just just i was kind of inspired by what she was able to do in here because she put herself through a lot and it's one of the best performances i've seen this year surprisingly didn't get uh, her performance didn't get nominated even at the spirit awards it was a supporting actress which she was very good in here as well too but the direction from ninja feinberg is uh, awesome i think if it had a different it had a male perspective it would com completely glorify this industry but it doesn't um and it has her very unique take on this one i think her uh, direction style is going to be something to look forward to in the future and this one is definitely one that has stuck with me in my head and as I, I can't get out of it and the way it's the way it kind of ends is it's it's just kind of ends it as a matter of fact thing and it's uh it's very uh one of those films that you're probably only going to watch once but it's a, it's a traumatic film that's very uh uncomfortable to watch and it's just uh one of those ones that have stuck with me so i, I had to put it on my list i couldn't uh, i it would be doing it's a disservice if i didn't uh, mention it here so pleasure number 10 on my list all right i haven't watched that one yet Lots of movies about uh, the adult entertainment business. There was also that Romanian movie about bad luck or loony porn or whatever it was called. I really want to see that. I would add oh, that yeah. to the list of movies that I did not get to. All right. Todd, number 10. Okay. The movies I haven't seen yet. Uh, I have not seen. These are in alphabetical order, not in terms of like how I want to see them. Uh, Benedetta, which oh, yeah. just looks like a. Todd movie, uh, Bergman Island, Cyrano, The French Dispatch, uh, The Hand of God, A Hero, Memoria, Nightmare Alley, Summer of Soul, Titan, mm. and The Worst Person in the World, of course, because nobody's seen it. I'm not yeah. even sure it's technically a 2021 movie, honestly. It's a good point. I'll have to figure that out. Uh, my number 10 is uh, a movie I just watched this week. It's a Netflix original, the directorial debut of James Samuel, who is a British uh, singer-songwriter. And it is The Harder They Fall, which is oh. a Western with a, an all-black cast. And yes. they're playing, like, uh, real people. And it's like an interlocking classic revenge story. Jonathan Majors nice. is the main character, Nat Love. And he uh, he finds out that the guy who killed his family, which is the, the guy played by Idris Elba, he is getting released from prison. So he gets together his old crew to try to take him out. The cast is awesome. It's got Regina King, Zazie Beetz, uh Oscar nominee of Lakeith Stanfield. And uh, of course, R.J. Siler is honestly the best part of the movie. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why he, uh, or I mean, eventually he'll get his due, but I mean, he, he's, he somehow outshines everybody else. But this is like a really glossed up, like Tarantino revenge piece kind of thing. The soundtrack is killer. Like, Guns Go Bang is a song by Kid Cudi and Jay Z that it should absolutely get nominated at the Oscars, it has a chance. Uh, and it, it just sort of subverts your expectations because it really just kicks ass. And it's like, these guys that it's not it doesn't try to exploit anything it's just these people that really love westerns and they really try to make a standard western and it, they take it seriously and it is badass and i i i just i just love that james samuel decided to do this as his uh directorial debut it's it's a great movie 
Another yeah, one that I, I've been meaning to watch, yeah. I remember we almost thought about reviewing that on the podcast, but um, Zach had never heard of it and thought a two-and-a-half-hour Western sounded like it was boring, so we didn't. But you know what? I watched it, and it's not on my top ten list, but I really enjoyed it, too. I think it's an awesome movie, and it feels a lot like a Tarantino kind of wannabe, but who cares? And there's some, like, great action sequences in the movie. Todd's absolutely right. It, it, it's got some really, like, the director, it's it's amazing directing, really cool editing. I just remember there's, like, there's like a train standoff sequence that is just spectacular. Yeah, some great characters. Like, that's a universe I want to get into. So, like, I don't know. That's that, You're making me rethink that movie. That, that was a really, really enjoyable movie. So, that's a great, great call. What an awesome year for Jonathan Majors, too, with that movie, with uh, Lovecraft County, and uh, also Loki, um, and being yeah. the next big villain for the MCU, too. So that's going to be really awesome for him. I'm glad he's getting his uh, his due here. Yeah, definitely. All right. On to number nine. Boom. Switched. All right. Number nine is a movie we reviewed on the podcast uh, from... One of my favorite filmmakers, whenever he makes a movie, it, it, he hasn't made many and they come fairly few and far between. We weren't sure about this movie when it came out, but I think we all liked it quite a bit. That's Stillwater. Merlot. No, no Mer oh, there we go. I was wondering if it was Okay, well, there we go. Okay. There's one. All right. So we'll talk about Stillwater later. It's a hardworking band from Troy, Michigan. I, I was gonna say that was the other thing I was gonna say about it. It's a hardworking band from Troy, Michigan. In, in the a real Golden reason, God and the Out of Focus guys. The real reason we liked it was just the amount of jokes we could make about the title. That's I, I honestly like that's why it's on my list. Stillwater. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, okay. Act number nine. My number nine will also not be Merlot. I'm quite sure because it's a movie I watched on Canopy, and uh, it has currently 117 votes on IMDb. There we go. It is a French Canadian movie, Quebecois, and you know they always make great movies up there. Always a little bit messed up, the Quebecois. And uh, this movie is called Les Notes, which translates to our own, I think. And uh, it is directed by Jean LeBlanc or Jean LeBlanc. And uh, it is about a neighborhood somewhere in Quebec, maybe Montreal. I'm not sure. It is a messed up neighborhood. OK, we got some, you know, uh, some some sneaky things going on here. This feels very much like American Beauty, Alan Ball territory. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, we have this girl named Magali, and she's a teenager, and uh, she is pregnant, and she refuses to say who the father is. And so basically, uh, we find out kind of who the father is kind of early on, but the neighborhood starts accusing each other of violating this young girl and all these horrible things that happen. And uh, this is a movie that is full of, you know, uh, uh, abuse and full of there's there's some uh, racism in the movie. Basically, it's kind of underscoring how just like Alan Ball loves to do, how seemingly normal middle class people are actually horrible, terrible scumbags that abuse each other mentally and, and emotionally. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's like it 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 it. it 
feels maybe a little bit melodramatic. And if you describe too much of it, it sounds maybe like a soap opera. But I was compelled by this movie. Like, I remember I paused it. I thought I was like 15 minutes in the movie. And I was like 55 minutes in the movie. So I really got into the story. <laughs> this young girl, Emily Bier, gives a really good performance. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really awesome movie that looks like the CD underbelly of suburbia, which is always a great theme in movies. So Les Nuts, check it out. Be the 118th voter on IMDb. Uh, it's 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 a, it was a great canopy find. I love these lists, man. This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right, all right, Adam, number nine. All right, this is a movie that we've all seen on the podcast. It's going to be quad approved. Obviously, going to be I'm the only one going to be mentioning it here. And it's directed by David Lowry, The Green Knight. Ah, nice. good call. Good call. So. The Green Knight for me, man, this was a film that I had had not seen in theater, didn't rent it on uh, Amazon or anything like that, but I found it on Black Friday for cheap, and I was like, you know what, I, that's a movie I need to watch before I do this list, and I put it in, and I just just like, I usually take, take, take some notes maybe with it, and I just got completely invested in it, I was just kind of stopped what I was doing and watch it. Death Patel, man, this guy, he, he needs, he is an actor who picks his projects very um, precisely, and he knocks it out this performance in this kind of Arthurian kind of story here of a guy who it is going through in it, the movie. It's, it's a methodical a deconstruction of legend and nobility and his journey through here, going through that year journey, going journeying to defeat the Green Knight or having the Green Knight re, redo the thing that he did to him in the film. It's it's an awesome tale here. David Lowry does a great job. I do like the ghost story. I think this one is better than that film. Uh, hands down uh, but Elisa Fikander also in a huge standout here given one of her better performances considering she's kind of fallen not in obscurity but she hasn't really done as much as like the Danish girl or ex machina that star power since James Bourne or Jason Bourne I meant. but Green Knight yeah, great performance here uh, from Dev Patel and it's just a really cool movie I want to get back into great visuals that need to be nominated even though they probably won't now and also great killer soundtrack too so the Green Knight uh, number nine for me one that I cannot wait to get back into and watch again. Dev Patel for James Bond. I'm going to keep saying it. That's a, yeah, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, this was number 12 on my list, so it's in my honorable mention. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. Cool. Yeah. So before we go too further, did we have an over-under on what we think number of Merlots are going to be? We've already had one Merlot. I thought it was going to be three. That's what three? I had. Total? Total? Three yeah, total. total. I think total it's like maybe I was going to say four and a half. Yeah, four and a half sounds about right. That's actually, yeah, now you say it again. So our, so our site top five are going to be the only movies that were mentioned more than once. Hold on, we got a Lisa Vikander comment here. Oh, so Lisa Vikander was watching our stream. <laughs> Lisa Vikander is my Tomb Raider. Yeah, Ken, I'm looking forward to seeing her uh, her next outing as that. Definitely has that new Xbox 360, Xbox One kind of uh, Tomb Raider feel to it. So looking forward to that. I, I never, I never caught her, uh, her run as Tomb Raider. I need to watch that one still. Definitely based off the newer video games, but yeah, she's did pretty good in it. All right, Todd, number nine. My number nine is the only uh, movie Sundance hit based on a Reddit thread that we will mention today. Oh, there we go. Janixa Bravo's Zola which is now actually available on Showtime, so you can actually watch it. Uh, but Zola is a stripper played by Taylor Page, and she meets this white trash chick played by Riley Keough named Stefani, and 
she goes on a stripping weekend in Tampa, which is led by this violent, intimidating dude played by Coleman Domingo, just goes by X. And he gives one of the best performances of the year. The, the movie gets really wild, and you won't really be able to predict where it's going, but well, and I guess you might just call bullshit if you didn't know that it was actually based on real life. Because, I mean, th- there is some truly weird shit that happens, especially when Jason Mitchell shows up. It's edited <laughs> furiously, and it really is just nuts. And some of the most fun I had at the cinema in 2021, because I actually did get to watch it at the movies, which was amazing. Oh, awesome. I, I, I love Zola. And I know that people aren't the biggest fan of the movie. It's kind of divisive, but screw it. It's it's my number nine. Yeah, I, I wasn't as enthused about it as you were, Todd, but I, I appreciate the the, uh, the enthusiasm for it. People, there's been, been like a little bit of talk about Coleman Domingo, maybe like some, not Oscars maybe, but some award recognition. I think Nicholas Braun as Derek needs recognition because that is, I think, one of the standout characters of 2021. The guy should be a meme. When he jumps out that window, again, without spoiling too much, like that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's awesome and amazing. And uh, yeah, there, there's yes. just some great, that is like the closest to like, that's like the Elmore Leonard, Jackie Brown movie of 2021. And I, I think it's like it's a great mood piece. Okay. All right, all right, let's move on. Movie. I need to watch it. I do need to watch that one still. Moving on to number eight. Number eight is one that we reviewed on the podcast not that long ago. Um, I have, by the way, I have eight four star movies of twenty twenty one. This is so. This is from here on out. They're all four star movies. Um, and this one is West Side Story. Merlot. There we go. I had a feeling that was going to happen. So tabling that conversation for later. I just don't get to talk on this podcast, apparently. That's because you have um, good taste, Terry. I, that is. That is. And yeah, you're still talking. Yeah, I am still talking. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? That. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, so my microphone just stopped. Uh, um, <laughs> edit uh, stopped recording on the my manual record that I was doing. That's okay. For some don't worry about it. We're good. Okay, just a heads up. Okay. All right. So, Zach, number eight. All right. So, you know, the Oscars really messed us up this year because what do we mean when we say, you know, these Oscar movies that came out in 2020, in February 2021? Are they 2021 movies? Is The Father a 2021 movie? Is uh, Nomadland? Um, so, my number eight movie, I guess, is a 2021 movie that was qualified for the 2020 Oscars. And uh, got a, a little bit of a divided review on this podcast, but it hasn't left my mind. And it is the Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actor, Daniel Kaluuya. It is Judas and the Black Messiah, a movie I have not forgotten about since I saw it. Some critics didn't love the idea that, uh, you know, uh, this movie wasn't just a straightforward biopic about the life of Fred Hampton. They didn't like that it also had the Lakeith Stanfield character as this kind of um, confused, maybe torn FBI informant um, who's sent over undercover um, and basically procures information about Fred Hampton to the FBI. But I found that part of the movie fascinating. And it is based in, tr- in reality. The movie has a really poignant ending that we, re- we actually see the real people that this movie is based off of. And I think that is as important a story to tell as the life of Fred Hampton. And uh, again, Kaluuya is amazing in this movie. I think Lakeith Stanfield's amazing in this movie. 
this movie for me demonstrates why um, not only that straightforward biopics are boring, but how movies can bring to life something that you just read about in a history book. Fred Hampton isn't all isn't as remembered or as taught as Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, but he's I think as important as significant in in the civil rights movement. And uh, you know, I just I, this movie was thrilling. I mean, to me, it was almost like The Departed meets Malcolm X. It was just um, really fascinating to watch these characters develop and the fact that it was based in reality. A reality that not everybody knew the ending of, I didn't know the ending of, um, was uh, was pretty cool. So uh, I really love this movie, Shaka King, really talented director, and Daniel Kaluuya. Also, can we just say he had the best acceptance speech? His parents had sex for a reason, okay? He, he uh, gave a great acceptance speech. So uh, Juice and Black, I don't know if it's 2021, 2020, whatever. I just thought if in this calendar year 2021, it's a movie I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, definitely a 2021 movie. Uh, it it isn't on my list, but I, I definitely appreciate that one. It's one I haven't watched since like last January or February and would love to watch again, but um, just haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, great call. Great call. Good pick. Uh, yeah, Todd, cool. Todd had a shrug of the shoulders. Well, yeah, Todd, Todd, Todd was right? a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Adam, number eight. All right, another film with only less than 2,000 votes on IMDb. It's one, probably the one I just watched the most recently, but I, it's definitely hands down an Adam film, and that is Small Engine Repair. Mm. Uh, I knew that. I wanted to see that. that. I knew that was going to get on there. <laughs> yeah, directed by John Paulino, uh, starring, let's see, John Bernthal, Shay Willingham, and John Paulino. Wiggum. Here. What was that? Well, we Shay Wiggum. My bad. Yep. Anyway, this is definitely a, uh, an Adam film here. It, it shows three friends who kind of gone through some, have been through some stuff here, and they're brought together one night, and some stuff goes down. Uh, becomes kind of th- what qualifies as an Adam movie is like three guys, you know, who are not the most like you're not really going to be rooting for them type of thing. But there's it's all it's kind of violent here. There's some 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 stuff that happens that here that it just go it how do i describe this movie without trying i'm not trying to spoil it because it's something that it's it's thrilling and it gets going and then when the plot flips on its head in the middle of it it is it's like what the hell just happened and that's exactly what small engineer pair hit it was one of those films that i've been wanting to watch for the longest time and i finally watched it and i'm happy and i'm putting it on here because it, more people needs to watch this movie and burnthaw having a great year i need to bring out my jameson because i need to just take a swig from the bottle or something for john burnthaw because that's what they do in this movie quite a bit but uh, he's he's awesome uh, great performance here from the whole cast the, the, this movie works because the three characters work so well together and uh, the ending, a, a great story about bullying, too. So definitely check out Small Engine Repair. So there's some definitely some cool stuff to like about it. Yeah, that's a great nice. movie. I, I remember texting you when I saw it saying it was like Big Bad Wolves kind of. But I knew it was an Adam yeah. movie for sure. It's so. definitely an Adam movie. So I had to put it on my list, man. So thank you for reminding me to watch this. Of course. Awesome. Awesome. You guys in your film independent screeners. Well, that one no, actually surprisingly didn't get anything for it, but it oh. uh, that one that one that's uh, how I watched it. But that was it's like on Canopy too. Two months ago. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was I was this close to watching it the other day. Cool. All right, Todd, number eight. My number eight, I believe, was my number one at our mid-year 
uh, top five, and that is Mona Fastbold's The World to Come, which is uh, this uh, uh, romance with Catherine Watterson, Casey Affleck, Vanessa Kirby, and Christopher Abbott. They play two couples in 1800s. I believe it's New York. And it's like the super harsh winter. There's a lot of longing and loneliness and the two women meet and have this like ravishing romance. And there've been a lot of these like old uh, lesbian period piece uh, movies that come out recently, like Portrait of Lady on Fire or M&I, but I think this is the best one. The movie has the best crafts of any movie in 2021, especially the costumes and the score absolutely should be winning Oscars, but I don't think they have any chance because nobody really has seen it. Uh, the setting also looks like something that isn't really Earth. I don't know what it looks like, but it is beautifully shot. I think it was in Romania is where they actually shot it. But Mona Fastfold and her partner, Brady Corbett, they are like really unique storytellers and they do things just differently. Uh, this represents like the best that they have done so far. And uh, this one stuck with me since I watched it last year at Sundance. So uh, it's now actually available on Hulu and Canopy. I don't know when it actually popped up on those, but people can actually watch it now. It's it's a really, really good one. I have a feeling that will be a, a future like trivia assignment for someone once you win. Yeah, good call. Could be. Yeah. Yes. All right. Good. Moving on from there. On number to seven. number seven. Now let's see if I actually get to talk about a movie this time. So my number seven uh, is uh, a movie that a couple of us reviewed on here. And uh, I was definitely the biggest fan of, and that is Spencer. Yes. Yes. Hey, I get to talk about a movie. Okay. Wine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Spencer is my number seven. Uh, Pablo Lorraine, Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. Um this is one of the one of the best performances of the year. And this movie, it's it's so different. I, I would say it's not necessarily a Terry movie, but it is so it's so quiet and subtle, but it just it's hypnotic and just pulls you in and you are just fully immersed into this world for uh, for the entirety of of the movie. Again, Kristen Stewart is absolutely brilliant. And and you get to see this this character that we we know the real life character, but get to see some of the darker side of, of some of the things that she went through. And I just loved it. I, and uh, yeah, I loved it. And it's, it's a great movie. It's my number seven Spencer. Did it come close yeah. for any of you guys? Yeah. Number 14 on my list. I, very, oh, okay. I was, I was, a, I kind of wanted to put it in there. It was battling for it had, was in my top 10 for a while, but just had some shakeup stuff happen. But yeah, Kristen Stewart's great. So yeah, I just watched that this week. It, it's it's really good. I it, it wasn't that close to making my top ten, but I I definitely respect it. Yeah, I go. have it. I have a twenty nine on my list, and I, I gotta say, I'm really disappointed that Kristen Stewart does, seems to be like falling out of the Oscar race. Like, I, yeah, I, I, it's inexplicable yeah, to me. That's sex snub. She's she's amazing in the movie, and she's had she's made stellar movies the last five years, and this would seem like the logical you know, culmination. Uh, and uh, I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's just poorly marketed or something, but she's amazing in it. It's a movie that without, without thinking she, she should be a, a, at least a nominee. Here, here, here's, here's what I'm going to say. This is what would have happened if to Jennifer Lawrence, if hunger games came out before silver linings playbook. Um, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence would have an Oscar nomination. I don't think she'd have a win if she was Katniss before she was an Oscar winner. 
So but what? she had already had a nomination at that point too. Oh yeah, she did already have. So yeah, maybe yeah, it had to be that. like because like Kristen Stewart, she's still the Twilight girl, and and that's that clouds everyone's vision apparently still. I think um, what I think the bigger deal is the crown. I, I think people too many people watch the crown, and that's the Princess Diana they prefer, and they don't like maybe that Lorraine actually took some risks in in the filmmaking and yeah made it a little bit more unpleasant and uncomfortable than the crown. Yeah, but that's but, speculation. Know, I don't know. But you're saying the same kind of argument can be said with Robert Pattinson that you brought up with Kristen Stewart there, Terry. And she is and he when, and he is doesn't have any Batman. nominations. Well, yeah, he's he, Batman. He, yeah. But people are like, oh, he can't do it. The Twilight Vampire guy can't do it. But have you guys seen Good Time, The Rover, uh, these other movies that he's just, they're better than that. Personal Shopper for Kristen Stewart was fantastic. She was, she's such a talented actress, but she gets typecasted or remembered more for this this one uh, young adult movie that uh, that's kind of unfortunately casual moviegoers are just remembering, which is kind of and, and you're, you're right. Pattinson's gone on to have a great career since then, too. No awards recognition, though. So, Crazy. yeah. Anyways, yeah, moving Kristen, on. Kristen Stewart's also great in Certain Women, which made my top 10 list the year yeah, that that's that movie the, came out. Kelly okay. Riker. Exactly. Right. Number seven. Number seven. Oh, this could this could be Merlot. Terry could get back me because I know he was a big fan of this movie too. Tick, tick, boom. Merlot. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Look forward to having a good conversation about it at some future time. When we yes. can also talk about West Side Story. I guess there's a theme in our Merlots. <laughs> there we yeah, go. That we're the only ones with any overlap. That's the theme so far. You like All right. I have a, and musicals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam, number seven. Number seven could be Merlot. I, I have a feeling. Uh, by Zach, maybe. I'm hoping. Number seven, Shiva Baby. Or Shiva Baby. Not quite. Oh, no, okay. Good, wow, good okay. call, though. It's a good choice. Movie. All right. So this is a, a film that actually is streaming on oh, Rachel's Reviews. How are you doing, Rachel? Love Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, that's a great movie. Almost made my top ten. But uh, but Shiva Baby, for me, let me get this one off the screen here, is directed by Emma Segman. Uh, sorry. Seligman. Segment. Um, it stars Rachel uh, Sennett. It's based off a short, um, a short film of the same name. It's probably the most awkward film that you're gonna have all year or watch. It's a film about a girl who's uh, sleeping with some uh, somebody that comes to find out it's like a family member or comes related in the family here as she's going through sh Shiva here, and it is it's uncomfortable and it's just awkward and it is memor memorable. And I really enjoyed what Rachel Sennett did here. You can kind of feel her the awkwardness and her, 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 what she's feeling on screen here. And it's just one of those ones that have always stuck with me as I, throughout the whole year, it's a must watch. I feel like that. And it's definitely the most awkward movie of the year. So I definitely can't speak highly enough and it is streaming on HBO max. I've heard good things so, about that one too. Yeah, it's a really fun movie, and it's a reminder. I'm, I'm glad you have it on your list, Adam. I have it as uh, my number uh, – ooh, where do I have it? I have it somewhere on here. Number 14, so it's in my honorable mentions. It was my wife's number one movie of the year. Samantha There we go. This. Awesome. Uh, but uh, I would say that sometimes we uh, tend to forget about the great indie 85-minute uh, movies that get direct-to-streaming releases in May – 
And uh, it's unfortunate because nobody remembers this movie, but it is um, an absolute blast to watch. And uh, you're right. The stakes get continually raised. I think it's actually yep. a really well-written movie. I think you know yeah, people just sort of think like circumstances. Oh, okay, you just kind of create these archetypes. No, like there's really good dialogue in the movie too. And uh, it has that great claustrophobic feel. Um, it's actually directed really well. Uh, MSL. That is true. Uh, like the whole movie takes place in one, one space. There's a few other movies this year like that. But I think more than any movie this year, it uses the space like really, really well. So I, I, I'm a big fan of that movie as well. I can't believe Terry and Todd haven't seen it. That's 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 a disgrace. Hey, I need to see that one. Todd, number seven. My number seven is significantly shorter than 85 minutes. It is Ooh. 72 minutes long, and that is Petite Maman, oh. which is the Celine Sion movie, which is right now in theaters. Eventually, it's going to be streaming on Mubi, which I don't know anybody that actually has that streaming service, but... Okay, uh, but it's about this young girl named Nellie whose grandmother dies and she goes with her mother to clean out her house and she meets this other girl around her age. Um, she's building a tree house and they become friends. And I would encourage you not to research anything else about the movie. It's kind of magical how it happens. It's a, it's like Truffaut with like a touch of Miyazaki. And it's a, it's a really special movie. It kind of feels like a dream when you're watching it. Silenciama has come to like the forefront of foreign directors recently. And this absolutely makes her one of the most essential filmmakers in the world. If I could have lived in that world a little longer, like I honestly wanted it to be longer, it would have been in the running for my number one, but instead it's just this like really kind of peculiar movie that I watched and it's really beautiful. And it's my number seven, Petite Maman. Damn. I, I Can I preemptively I think... Merlot you? I mean, it's going to be on my list, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I need to watch that movie. I've had it spoiled for me, unfortunately, but I, I still very much look forward to it. That sucks. How do you let that happen? Because I read reviews of it. Because it looks so good. Don't read okay. reviews. I know. Who does that? Listen to reviews. They will warn you when they're about to spoil it. And <laughs> well, when you listen maybe. to reviews, you should listen on the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. There don't, we go. There don't we go. buy drugs. Become a rock star and you get them for free. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, that's, All right. that's that too. Number six, moving on. All right, number six was uh, one of the bigger surprises for me uh, this year because I didn't think I was going to like it, and I ended up loving it. Uh, it is King Richard. Um, yes, it ended up on someone's list. So King Richard is uh, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, starring Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis, John Bernthal, uh, and uh, Sanaya Sidney and Demi Singleton as really the unsung heroes of this movie and the stars. Uh, it tells the story of Richard Williams and his daughters, Venus and Serena, um, and how he coaches them and mentors them up into being um, tennis superstars. Um, it sounded like another blind side when it, when it was, um, when you saw trailers and stuff like that, but it's so much more than that. Uh, you get this, you get this character. I know we talked about this in the podcast and, um, and I know Zach was one that thought it really needed to go further into this, but I think it really does a good job of portraying uh, Will Smith's character, the, the Richard, Richard Williams character as he's a flawed guy and he doesn't really do everything right, but it, it works. And the reason it works is because of who his daughters are and the drive that he's able to instill in them through very untraditional means to being uh, these um, just determined superstars. 
um, it, it's a brilliant movie. It's a, I think it's one that is, um, can be universally loved. Like this is one I could show my parents and they would love, but you can also be someone who is a, a, a an avid f- film goer and film watcher and love it also. So, uh, yeah, number six on my list, it's King Richard. I love this one. It's a good, good movie. Number 22 or number, yeah, number 22 on my list right now. Yeah. Will Smith definitely gone should deserve gets get to the Oscar nomination, here, but all the other performances here are really awesome. It's like I said, John Bernthal. It's a shame that he's not getting any recognition for the, the performance here. He Why does really Dallas suck so much? I know yeah. they're losing by like nine right now at halftime. Oh, I, mean, well, I care. Like it's not the over under is 51. I bet the over <laughs> there, there's how are they not scoring on that shitty defense? It's a great question. It's a great question because I don't know. I don't know. Niners are playing inspired ball right now. I'm rooting for the Niners because we know every round has at least one road team that wins. And uh, it better not be the Steelers. The road teams do a lot better than this, honestly. I'm going for the Niners. This needs to be the road win. Or the Cardinals. That's fine, too. Going for the Niners because happy wife, happy life. There you go. There you go. King Richard is my number 41. So I don't hate the pick. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. my forty. It's my it's my number forty nine, and I think there's a world where King Richard wins Best Picture. I was texting this. No, to there's no world. I think there is. I, I think if, if things things could go certain directions, I don't think Power of the Dog is as slam dunk a Best Picture nominee as other or a winner as other people think. And I don't know. Just I I think there's a path for it. I, I don't know. I I think I think the crowd pleaser is going to be Belfast in the race, but. Who knows? Who knows? I, I I I give it. Its odds aren't dead, but uh, but I, it it's yeah, it's unlikely. Zach Nevada also really sucks at Oscar odds. I figured that out recently because they had Alan Taylor ten to one to win Best Director for The Many Saints of Newark. So yeah, I pretty much <laughs> picked pick that shit apart, and I placed a couple big bets on some Oscar odds. Well done, well done. All right, Zach, number six. All right, number six has been Merlot. It is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. There we go. Going to further Merlot it. Okay, I'm I'm glad we did this Merlot because I get to talk about it instead of Terry because apparently I liked it more. Apparently, uh, uh, but yeah, we actually Terry and I talked about it, I believe, because Todd didn't see it. Uh, and I'll just uh, reiterate, uh, you know, best of highlights. I mean, it's an awesome movie. It uh, just forget the that the, the main star is Ansel Elgort, and then it's really a great movie. And uh, it's got some terrific uh, dance and song numbers. But more than that, it, it I think, captures uh, the magic of movie musicals in a way that's kind of hard to do. Although, I guess Tick, Tick, Boom also did it this year. Um, and uh, it's great to see Spielberg back. I think, personally, this movie resuscitates the 1961 version because I think that version is, like, flawed in some ways. Not just outdated, but it's also just kind of stage-bound and just doesn't feel as dynamic and as rich as movies today feel. And I love that Spielberg uh, had, you know, he, he didn't necessarily rewrite that the movie. I mean, th- it does go in depth in the characters in the way that the 61 version doesn't. But it, I think it's it's like a resuscitation. I mean, it, it brings it, it brings out the best components of the 61 version, but with a little bit more, uh, I think, modern uh, touch and, and modern effects with things like camera movement and, again, more dynamic staging and things like that. Uh, 
fascinating movie. Uh, Ariane DeBose, I think uh, she's got to be considered the favorite for Best Supporting Actress. She's amazing in it. And Rita Moreno, I mean, the, the, the moment that she has in the movie, her big moment is was unexpected and unforgettable. And uh, you, you got to see it in a theater. It was, it was probably the most uh, thrilling time I had in a theater this year. I have yeah. a number 60 of the year. Yeah. Oh, Terry, you can talk as it's on your top 10. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, no, this, this is, um, making that, making the bid for the biggest douche of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I reiterate a lot of the stuff you said, and especially what you were saying about how it, um, it, uh, it kind of saves the old version and fixes a lot of the, the issues that have, that there are with it. Um, but also the updates it has as well in, in, um, giving it the we, i mean we talked a ton about this already but giving it the the setting of of the the slums are getting torn down and the the urgency of the the conflict between them i thought was really cool uh the performances are amazing I, we talked a lot about ansel elgort in it i think he i think he's fine he, he doesn't maybe fit but he gives a decent performance but rachel zegler ariana debose and Mike Feist, I mean, those three, the, the performances that they give, and not even mentioning Rita Moreno, um, it, they're amazing. And they, they help make the movie. And I I have a similar feeling with this one as with the other one. And that the music, at first when you hear the music, it's like, really? A gang movie with this kind of music? It doesn't necessarily fit. But it just draws you in, and it's I love it. it it's amazing. Adam, where do you have it on your list? Um, I have seen the whole movie now. during it. That's right. Yeah, because I, I pulled the Zach Salt in it. Um, but I did uh, not fall asleep. Yeah, no, it was it's great. Uh it's a good movie. Uh 36 is where I've well wait, yeah, 36 currently. So it's moving up, you know. It's I I like I definitely enjoyed it. It's one of uh, most memorable Spielberg movies of recent memory. Really liked seeing DeBose and Ziegler uh, kind of come out as big winners. In well, like Rachel Zegler was the problem with the movie for me because she is not that good of an actress and she's really melodramatic. I actually think Ansel Elgort is really good and really like a high war in the movie. Obviously, Aaron Bose is the star, but the problem is Spielberg and the problem is Zegler. But I still give the movie a thumbs up and I put it actually between the Sparks Brothers and Saint Maud. So I mean, it's not horrible company to be in, honestly. But I mean, overall, I just I just could I just didn't really like the lead. You had to bring up the Sparks Brothers. Sparks just, Brothers, had, one of the biggest to bring it up. controversies of our podcast. <laughs> well, we're on YouTube, so we, we you know, we're kind of contractually obligated to do that now. Yeah, one of our most disliked video on YouTube. Uh, I disliked it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We should not Adam, say any more about this one. Adam, number six. Number six. Um, all right, so we're going with the big movie here. We're going with Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. I think Very this is nice. kind of kind of an obvious one that I was going to put this on here. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his movies, regardless. Um, possibly could be higher, but it's part one now, right? Um, I really liked the direction here. And if you think about it this way, this budget for this movie is 165 million dollars, and it feels like it's an actual like inv- living environment, right? It doesn't feel like it's too much CGI. Considering Spider-Man was $200 million, and that one definitely feels like it's heavily CGI'd. Uh, but Dune is just a great a little um, 
a great film here. I think that I, I'm looking forward to it gets me more excited for the second part of it. So who knows if this movie moves up or down depending on that second part. But uh, Tanov has a way of directing movies that makes them kind of grounded in reality, even if they're not. I love, love like from Blade Runner 2049 and Prisoners and Sicario and Enemy, uh, all these movies that are have really great stories here. I think there's so much to go under, peel into the layers of this film here. And uh, Shyamalan does a great job here. I think Momoa actually really uh, does a really good job with his character of Duncan. Hey, he's single, ladies. Um, uh, but every, all the characters here, they give really good performances. So uh, Dune is number six on my list currently. It's it's in my honorable mentions. And uh, and Adam, one of these days, you will learn how to pronounce Timothy Chalamet's name. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, Chalamet. <laughs> one, one year, I, I one time, I don't remember when. It, I think it was back when we were talking about... Uh, um, oh, call me by your name. I think you said Timothy Shamlet. Um, yeah, <laughs> I probably have because it was number two <laughs> on my list and it was super high up on my list. And uh, yeah, I was probably really drunk at that time. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> but one, one, one of these days, you will remember how to say his name. Hey, Shamlet's really good in the movie. That's all I have to say. There you go. There he you had go. a good year. Don't look up. Dune. Shamlet. Oh yeah, don't guy. look up was great. <laughs> he, he was. He was. He was in that. Okay. <laughs> he was in a movie several yeah. this year. Uh-huh. So right. just, just so we're keeping up, we now have, I think, five movies from Adam's Photoshop graphic oh, that we've let's... mentioned. When And yeah, there we go. We're only missing a couple more. And uh, yeah, Todd, you said like, like none of them would be mentioned, right? I said two. I'm... I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm saying that none of those are going to be on my list is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, we mentioned before we got on that this is one of our more unpredictable lists because just because I don't know. I, I, I coming into this, I felt like I did not know where many of you were going to go on on much. I mean, I, I have some ideas, but I really don't know. And a lot of times I at least know, oh, this is going to be in the top two or three. I don't know. I don't know. So, okay. Todd, number six. My number six is a director that's already been mentioned, but not because it was on a list. It is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Because this movie is mm. awesome. It's actually just available to rent because it's not streaming anymore. I'm unplugging real sense. quick. Um, so this girl, Eloise, played by Thomas McKenzie, she's a fashion student, and she winds up renting a room in this like old mysterious building and finds that she this portal kind of thing transports her to her favorite time and place in the world which is 1960s london and everything is amazing until like her dreams start to become like really vivid and like start to affect her in the present day and thomas and mckenzie is awesome anya taylor joy and matt smith like they're like in the 60s scenes like they're really good too the soundtrack is really really popping it's um maybe more than any other movie also in 2021 is move it's like the the images of the movie are stuck in my head more than any other movie. And it, it's not the best Edgar Wright movie. That's probably Baby Driver, which also was in my top 10 of that year that it came out. But it feels the most like Edgar Wright. And if we get more trips into inside his weird head like this in the in the future, then I think uh, cinema will be fine uh, in the future too. Uh, because last night so Soho was a big surprise. It was great. It's it not my kind of thing, but I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, this was... Uh... I gave it three and a half. It's in my top 30. Um, but 
with that said, it's something that um, the the Blu-ray comes out on Tuesday, and I've already pre-ordered it because it's one of those movies that I feel is just it's gonna be rewatchable. Like I can just put this in and watch it at any time. But at the same time, I can't imagine watching it on my TV. Like that's a movie you had to watch in the theater. I, I can see that too. I can see that too. It, so, it, it definitely was a theatrical experience. So you guys liked it more than I did. And I do have to say, I mean, we like giving our hot takes on this show. We like disagreement. It, it was fun to disagree with you on that episode. I think more than any other movie we've ever reviewed, your review really made me question my opinion of the movie. I think you guys are right. I think it actually is a really good movie. I haven't rewatched it. But if I were to guess, I think I should rewatch it. Although probably has more to do with Thomas and McKenzie than it does you, Todd. But I think it's, I, I think I missed I the ball. Naturally. It, <laughs> I think it actually is a really good movie. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I think I did. I didn't love the last 10 minutes. It had, I didn't love the way it concluded. But I think just from like a, an ambition standpoint, it was really a, a cool, unique movie. All right. All right. And I have no thoughts. I was going to say, I'm Adam, muted. can you hear us again? I, I know you unplugged yeah, there for a second. Yeah, I muted you until I realized, okay, Terry's talking now. I can probably hop in real quick. <laughs> there we go. All right. Moving on. We're into our top five now. And uh, let's see here. Before we get into top five, I'll let's just, um, before we say our top five, let's recap 10 to six. For anyone who may be listening, and and hopping in for the first time is it, it is a live a live broadcast so uh, I'll go through ten to six and then I'll reveal my number five number ten was the guilty number nine Stillwater which I still haven't been able to talk about uh, number eight West Side Story number seven Spencer number six King Richard now number five is a movie I actually just watched a couple days ago uh, it's the newest watch that's on my list and it's one that. I mean, it's been out for a while. I don't even know why I hadn't gotten to it, but I, it took me a while to get to it. I finally did, and I loved it. It might be the most Terry movie that is on my list, and that is Coda. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Todd, Todd knows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a total Terry movie. But I loved this movie. So this movie, it is, uh, it's directed by Sian Hader, I think is how you say it, uh, starring Amelia Jones, Marley Matlin, and Troy Kotzer. Uh, this movie is is brilliant. It's about um, CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults, and it's about this girl named Ruby who is dealing with uh, her entire family. Her mother, father, and brother are all uh, deaf, and she is hearing and, and can speak, and she realizes that she loves music and is uh, actually a really good singer and it's her journey through how does she balance the uh, responsibility she has to her family but also how does she balance doing what she loves and um and her interactions with her family and then her uh her choir teacher who is um who gives them an amazing performance also uh eugenio derbez uh he's really good uh the, this movie, I mean, there were like three or four times in the last 20 minutes of this movie where I caught myself crying. Uh, it, it's just a brilliant movie. It's we, We've seen a lot of movies like this. Like there was a one movie um, last year that we watched that starred um, the, the Moana girl, Aulihi Cravalho, um, that we watched from Netflix. It's like this is what that movie was trying to be. Um, 
If you're who remembers the name of that movie? Like we reviewed <laughs> it on there. About that movie. <laughs> but it, it's like it's like that, but mixed with mixed with in bringing in like the deaf community as well. And and I mean, we revealed our top 100 movies earlier this year, and I had two movies on there that dealt with the deaf community: Sound of Metal and Sound and Fury. And this one, I think it goes right along with those. Uh, it's it's brilliant, and it's so moving and touching. And uh, yeah, it, it's it, there's a reason this movie it has had the staying power. It has like it was a crowd pleaser at Sundance. It's probably going to get a best picture nomination for a movie like this because it's universally loved. Um, and it's just a story that you can't help but connect with. So Coda's so my you number remembered five. Alihi Cravalho, the crazy Hawaiian name. You didn't remember all together now. No, because that name is, I, I remember it title. was like the, the <laughs> most basic, generic, like. It is a like, really similar movie. Forgettable name. It is a very similar, but this movie actually works. And that one yeah. didn't. That one felt like it needed to be like, uh, like a Disney original movie that's straight to TV. And this one is, has so much more depth and, and just power with it. It's good. Have you guys seen it? No. Zach, Adam? No. I don't get Apple no. Apple Plus. Oh, dude. It's only it's five streamer. bucks a month. It's five bucks. I have the streamer. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. It's my stock response when people ask me what I think of Ted Lasso. Not <laughs> not an Apple TV subscriber. Oh, man, Ted Lasso is so good, bed. though. What did you say, Todd? How are you going to watch The Tragedy of Macbeth? I was going to go to the theater and see it. Like, you know, people it. should. I'm sure Joel Cohen would approve. By Has the anybody way, that, seen Tragedy of Macbeth? I did. I, I it was I my did. so I did a double feature Friday night at home because watching Tragedy of Macbeth and Coda was much more interesting to me than going to the theater and watching Scream Five when I hadn't seen the first four and uh and anything else that was going on. So um it, it was it was okay. It was okay. They cut way too much out of it to make it uh, coherent storyline, but the performances are good. Catherine Hunter, my word, Catherine Hunter. Well, yeah, the first like five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, she she's the best. Yeah, that's there. You go. The best part of the movie is the first five minutes when she's on screen. <laughs> she plays yeah. all three witches. Um, all right. Number five, Zach. All right. So I try to include a documentary in my list every year. And uh, this documentary, uh, I've talked about on the show before. I think I'm, according to our website, I'm still the only one who's seen it, which is just depressing. Come on, guys, get with it. Mm. I saw this movie Fourth of July weekend, and it had been hyped up because, you know, Questlove. And it played uh, several commercials before the Oscars, and it was Questlove's movie. And so I went into it a little skeptical. But the reality is, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, is a truly tremendous documentary. Now listen, okay, you might think this feels like a DVD extra, this feels like a vanity project by Questlove. How hard is it to put together footage that was shot 50 years ago? The truth is, uh, it must have been hard because uh, this footage was never really seen before. The Car Harlem Cultural Festival is exists in relative obscurity. Um, he does this amazing thing where he talks to the people who were actually there Okay, we don't get some, you know, we don't get Bono talking about how important this was. Okay, it was actually the people that were there. 
And then um, it, what's cool about it is that the people actually sometimes reflect on the performances uh, that they gave. Uh, I believe the Fifth Dimension does that in this movie. Uh, we get some of the great uh, black artists of all time. And what's cool about the movie is that it's a time capsule of, uh, you know, the civil rights struggle a bit. But really, it's also about the cross section of music in uh, American history in the 60s. Because on the one hand, you get like psychedelic music, but then you also have gospel. Sister Mahalia Jackson's in the movie. You get Sly and the Family Stone. Um, and uh, Gladys Pippen, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, it's this incredible, and Stevie Wonder, a very, very young Stevie Wonder. And it's not just, you know, oh, let's look at them when they were younger and let's look at some cool concert footage. I mean, it is really saying something about the world in 1969 and about the world today. And uh, I got to say, I watched this movie Fourth of July weekend. I think that impacts my, my voting a little bit because it felt like COVID was just about to end. Felt like, yeah, you know, Biden said we can take off our masks on the 4th of July. It felt like America was really back. And I actually watched this movie on consecutive days, which I never do. I watched it one night and I watched it the next day. And it was just such a great celebration um, of music and of, uh, you know, American history and cinema. I mean, it's it, from a purely like cinematic standpoint, just remarkable how they put the footage together. Uh, I love this movie, and uh, I don't know if it's been shortlisted for Best Documentary at the Oscars, but it was it was unforgettable to watch, and it, a reminder that music music back then was better than it is today. Okay, music like today kind of sucks. So watch the movie, get get down and groove with it because it's it's a phenomenal watch. You guys haven't well, this, seen it, right? Yeah, this has been is. this has been shortlisted for Best Documentary. I've checked that. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, and it's, it's, and also, I think it's one of the front runners too. Yeah, I but, think it's going to win the, same, the Spirit Award too because it got nominated there too. At the same time, the uh, the trend right now is for the Oscars to to snub the um, archival footage uh, front runner and uh, and go with something else because like it snubbed Apollo Eleven, it snubbed. Yeah, but this isn't all archival footage. A lot of it is interviews, right? And so it's unfair to kind of double. It, it's not in that same category. I know what you're saying, Terry, but it's not quite like that. What was the other? Um, um, won't you be my no? Well, well even it, won't you even, be my neighbor was isn't yeah. get get back is all archival too, right? The Peter Jackson documentary, right? Um, on the Beatles, but like oh yeah, but I mean I don't know. I think this movie is is a lot more than just the concert. Um, but I don't know. You guys, I'm amazed you haven't watched it. It's very that that's like my biggest blind spot this year is I think I've only seen one documentary from 2021. And that and that was the Alpinist, which you guys were like, I, we've never even heard of that movie. But it, it's, that's true. It's that's a blind spot on my list. Yeah, it, it's we, it's we, like it was like um, uh, Free Solo two, basically. We did have a comment come in about the Macbeth movie. Oh yeah, the witches are the only good part. Oh, that's from my wife. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. that's from that's from the the English major. That uh, that yeah, just was like this movie is horrible because they ruined it. Yeah, so there, there you go, Zach. Bad, but yeah, they are they are probably the best part. They they were by far the best part. Okay, you didn't recap your ten to six, by the way. You did. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. You, yeah, recap your ten to six. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Uh, number ten on my list was Test Pattern. Number nine was Les Nuts or on Our Own. Um, number eight is Judas and the Black Messiah. Number seven is Tick, Tick, Boom, which at some point we'll talk about, right? Yep, we will. And uh, number six is West Side Story. And number five is Summer of Soul or How the tele or how the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. There we go. All right, Adam, give us 10 to six and then number five. 
Mm-hmm. All right, number 10 is Pleasure. Number 9 is The Green Knight. 8, Small Engine Repair. 7, Shiva Baby. And number 6, Dune, starring Timothy Shamlet. Um, and number 5... <laughs> number 5... Lovely. Yeah, it's a movie that just needs to go by one name, and that is Pig. Merlot. Oh, oh, Merlot. Yes! That's our, that's our fourth Merlot. We're, we're getting close to the over here. That was one I was not expecting. See, I, I well, I should have been, but I didn't think about it. Okay. All right. Thespian Nick Cage shows up. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, Todd. Uh, Todd, number five. Oh, do we have another comment? It's a, it's a comment that's not really about the... In honor of the 50th anniversary of it winning Best Picture, what are your thoughts on the French Connection from Josephine DeMarco? I just watched that for the first time a couple years ago. I've never seen it. I really like the French Connection. We yeah. should have done a deep dive last year. We should have. We should have for 50th anniversary. Why didn't we do that? Missed opportunity. You know, what's It's really of, good, though. What's kind of interesting is with the passing of Sidney Poitier, I believe Gene Hackman is the oldest living Best Actor winner from 1971 Oscars. Oh. Ooh. I think you're right. The, the yeah. more you know. So how old is he? Wait, he can't he can't be that much older than like Robert Duvall, right? Duvall, I think, is still in his eighties. Hackman's like ninety-three. Yeah, he's he's gotta be up there. Something like that. Hackman's but no, French connection, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty 91. brilliant. Yeah. Gonna turn gonna turn ninety-two at the end of the month. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have to well and this Robert year Duvall the 50th is also ninety one, actually, by the way. Oh really? But he, but see, he won his Oscar later, though, right? I think Clint Eastwood is also ninety-one. But they, but they he won didn't their win best actor. He, he didn't win best actor. That's true. Well, so no, Robert I didn't. Duvall, I didn't mean. Robert I didn't mean by age, Twenty-five days older. <laughs> I didn't mean by age. Older. I just, I meant the oldest award winner from like nineteen seventy-one. Oh, so like the furthest back. Furthest back. Yeah. Right. Didn't I? Didn't I do a category like a, a trivia category of that once? Didn't I? I did. But it, it, it was it was like what Zach, were you there? I feel like it was Adam and Todd. Oh, here we go. Which pick for best actor and actress are Renata Rensvi and Anders Danielson Lee from The Worst Person in the World? All right, can we hook up with you, Josephine, so you can get us a copy of this freaking movie? I mean, come on. <laughs> Unless we're gonna call the red flag on this. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, we haven't we seen that, see but movie already. But Josephine also wanted to let us know her her favorites of the year. So her favorites of the season are Come On, Come On, Dune, French Dispatch, Liquor's Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tatan, and Worst Person in the World. We had a good conversation about Liquor's Pizza last week. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, I mean, we were all three of those. That's really pathetic. We were all like reservedly. Yeah, it's it's not going to show. I don't think it's going to show up in no. our top fives. But yeah. uh, we were I saw all part of the dog though this weekend. It's oh. it's good. So there we go. Could, later. could be coming up soon. Maybe. All right. Okay. Let's let let's let's uh, get back on track here. Todd, give us ten to six, and then your number five. Uh, my number ten, the harder they fall. Number nine, Zola. Number eight, the world to come. Number seven, Petite Maman. Number six, Last Night in Soho. And my number five is. Old Henry, which is directed by Patsy Ponsiroli. 
Obama, which is only available to rent, unfortunately. This is like a really good old fashioned Western action movie. And it probably surprised me more than any other movie in 2021. Tim Blake Nelson is the main character. He plays Henry and he lives on a farm with his son, Wyatt, and they stumble upon this guy named Curry and he is wounded and has a big bag of cash. So they bring him in, try to save him. But like these outlaws come to try to find Curry and the money. And Henry reveals like this, like killer skill set that nobody knew he had. And you start to learn more and more about these characters as it goes along. And it really, it just leaves you in awe of like a new filmmaker doing such a confident movie in this genre. Like, I think it's his like third movie, but I'd never heard of the first two. Tim Blake Nelson's never been better. It, it was, it, it feels like a deeply serious Coen brothers movie. And I mean that in the, the best possible way. Like I, I, I mean, I love that Westerns are making their way back again. Two of them are now in my top 10, which I'm really happy to see because the stories are so classic and so relevant. And this one, was just really cool and Potsy Ponsaroli has a really unique visual style and uh, this is just a really really good old-fashioned western right yeah I was yeah I, I was this close to watching it last night it was between that and another movie that I think is going to be on Terry's top 10 list that I won't say and I'm disappointed I didn't watch Old Henry because the movie I watched was not very good okay Okay. Okay. It sounds like a dig, but I, I, I like yeah. it. A preemptive dig. A preemptive dig. Yes. Hypothetical. One more question, real quick, before we get into Terry's number four. From Josephine again. A favorite cast ensemble of the season. Mine is Nine Days. Nine Mass. Days Duh. Mass. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a good one. That's a good one. How about, wait, wait, don't look up. I mean, come on. Let's get the support going here. <laughs> That's the biggest cast. I don't know if it's okay. the best. Malcolm cast. and Marie. The Heart of They Fall also is a pretty banging cast. Yeah. Song Chi. There we go. <laughs> Bo Burnham inside. Yeah, the one man <laughs> cast. I was gonna say that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There, there's some great casts. In fact, my next one might might be a good one for for uh, best cast. But I'll get there in a second. Let's check it. All right, let's let's get to it. Number four. Uh, number four on my list is Nightmare Alley. Nope, nothing. Okay, good. Nothing. Good. Seen it. Awesome. Directed by Guillermo del Toro, um, based on a novel. Second movie based on that. The first one was made in the 40s. Uh, Bradley Cooper and uh, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenberg, and David Strathairn. Uh, huge cast. And it tells the story of this guy um, named Stanton Carlisle, who is kind of had has a little bit of a shady past. You don't really know that much about it. He gets hooked up with a circus and learns some circus acts, and mainly he gets taught to be a mentalist. And... Um, and be, be able to uh, to read people and look like he is um, he's predicting the future and reading minds. And he decides to take this show on the road and doesn't know when to stop it. It is a movie that just it, it just pulls you in and takes you on this thrill ride. And I remember we talked about it on the podcast and I said it's a movie that um, it was all going to come down to, it was building up to something. And the whole thing is a slow burn build up to something. And if it nails the ending, it's going to be brilliant. And I thought it nailed the ending and it was brilliant. And uh, it just, 
one of the more jaw-dropping moments is is the last like 20 to 30 minutes of this movie and uh and it was it was awesome i loved it um one of the better guillermo del toro movies like might might be my favorite guillermo del toro movie so uh yeah number four nightmare alley yeah i think i'm the only other one who's seen it and i didn't like it as much as you you said the best moment of the movie was the last 20 to 30 minutes which I remember you said sums, that was up, sums up my problem with the movie is that it it felt too much like oh we're gonna do this which is also, I think, a flaw with uh, another movie that we all like, so- somewhat like this year with some reservations, Power of the Dog. But overall, I agree with you, is that it re- was a fun watch. And for a movie, now all movies are, you know, two hours and 40 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes. This movie was never boring. I will definitely give you that. It was fascinating mm-hmm. from start to finish. And uh, yeah, had some had some really crazy performances, too. And I agree. I think it's better than uh, The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only one I, I would put like in the category with this is like Pan's Labyrinth. I like so. that there wasn't a monster. It wasn't a feature creature for the first time. It's like yes. he's stepping out. He's doing something different. Hey, there's an idea. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. You guys need to see Nightmare Alley. Uh, I know. There's nowhere yeah. to see it right now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because it was in and oh. out of theaters like in a hurry. Yeah, that was one of like the ones on the short list of last week that I wanted to watch. And no, there was no way I was going to be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Same here. Nightmare Alley would also make a great name for a bowling place. There we go. <laughs> now, out there. Uh, we got another category a review uh, question here. Uh, favorite love, best love story of the season. Mine would be for Licorice Pizza, of course. The world best, best come, story probably. of the year. What'd you say? The world to come. That's probably my highest rated one. Yeah. Um. We go seven with days. This person also said days. that they love Clayne Crawford and Killing the Two Lovers, which obviously I, I agree with that. Yeah, Clayne Ca- Crawford. Yeah, it was Killing the Two Lovers. Definitely a great movie in that one. Best love um, story. Do we call Luca a love story? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> the best of something though. <laughs> Um, Barb and Star. That's a love story. There, there, there is a love story in there. Um, probably. I mean, Malcolm and Marie is. I have rated fairly high. I don't know if that's necessarily a love story, but um, yeah, that's a good. I don't have that many love stories up here at all. You know what? I have one that I'll also mention here too. It didn't. It didn't make my honorable mentions. It's number uh, twenty. And it's a movie that has 129 votes on IMDb. But there's a really good movie out there called First Blush that was a 2021 movie. And it's all about a married couple who get a little bit bored and they decide to try a threesome. And it's about the consequences and repercussions of that. Um, And it's actually a really good movie. I I, I thought it was really fascinating. I don't know if I'd call it a love story per se, sort of a messed up love story, but uh, definitely sort of a mumblecore uh tradition type movie in fact i'd really recommend it to todd especially i'm shocked the duplass brothers weren't in it probably because the budget was smaller than even a mumblecore movie which is saying something yeah um my i would say my uh my favorite love story now that i think about it is uh it it's kind of a a non-traditional one but i love this movie vivo Little kids animated movie, Lin Manuel Miranda music. It's about this old, this 
old guy who lives in Havana who um his uh, his love of the love of his life ends up in uh, in Miami becomes this huge star and goes back and uh, and, and um, is like doing her farewell tour and wants him to come visit and he dies and it but he left a song for her and so it's all about getting the song to her for her uh, for her final performance it's it's a really sweet movie but also a very much a little kid movie. But yes. it's, it's good. It's good. Okay. Moving right, on. Next one. Zach, number four. All right. Number four is the big question mark for me. It sounds like Todd's watched it. It's not going to be on his list. It's on my list. It is Red Rocket, the new film by Sean Baker. And it's not getting Merlot, so he must not loved it as much as I did because I think this movie is fantastic. It stars Simon Rex as Mikey, who is an adult film star. Uh, he's won several AVN awards uh, to give himself some credibility. <laughs> And uh, he was a part of a movie called Fast and the Fury Ass. That's where you might know him from. And uh, in, in the movie, he goes back to the small town in Texas that he's from. He greets his, it's not his ex-wife. They're still married, but his ex, played by Brie Elrod. And she reluctantly agrees to take him back in. And uh, he's a bit, essentially trying to rebuild his life. Um, and with a kind of secret mission of trying to go back into the industry and rebuild his reputation. And he thinks he can do that when he meets this girl who works at a donut shop named Strawberry. She's played by Susanna Son. She would be my best supporting actress winner, by the way, this year. She's fantastic. And uh, it's a Sean Baker movie, so you get lots of colorful characters. It's basically, I thought, similar to Zola, except a better movie than Zola. And, uh, you know, it, I love The Florida Project. I love Tangerine. I, I love everything that Sean Baker does. It's a movie that is very much about America. There is some stuff in it about, uh, you know, uh, Trump in the background, but it isn't really too heavy handed. The movie does take place in 2016. Um, it's the uncut gems of this year because it's about a character who's pretty morally repellent and does some awful things in the movie, but you can't help but watch and just be compelled by his pure charisma. And um, yeah, it's like just watching a train crash and it's pretty tremendous stuff. So it's a movie that's not perfect, but uh, I think for, again, it, like it's, its ambition is pretty unique and it's really compelling and interesting to watch. And I didn't even particularly love the last 20 minutes of it, but I will never forget the character, the, Mi the, the Mikey character in it. He's just so unique and one of a kind. And again, his interactions with the characters uh, around him are, are great. And uh, the world that Sean Baker creates is awesome. I want to be a part of every world he creates. And uh, I really, really admired this movie. No one's going to see it. It's I pretty much, I think, bombed theatrically. But uh, it's worth checking out if you get a chance. I really yeah, want I mean, to I, watch this one. I like the movie a lot. Yeah, Simon Rex is amazing. And I mean, it is like top 20 for me, but it didn't quite make my top 10. I... I think it is probably about 25 minutes too long, but I don't necessarily knock it for that because I, I probably would have spent more time watching. Just like you said, similar to Uncut Gems. It's like, I mean, I, I could have watched the downfall of, of, you know, Howard for, you know, another hour and a half. But, you know, it, it is a different different kind of movie than you would expect from Sean Baker, though. It doesn't feel like his other ones, it's, but it's really good. Best use yeah. of NSYNC in a movie this year. Yeah. For sure. I showed my wife the trailer for this one. She actually agrees to watch this one over the other Sean Baker movies. So we'll probably, she's at least interested in it. We'll see. All right. Todd, Touchdown touch Niners. They just went up 23-7. You got to admit, Todd, that the, the guy who plays Lonnie deserves some recognition. That was a great performance in that movie. He was the Derek. What Derek was to Zola, Lonnie was to Red Rocket. 
it's a joke Adam and Terry won't get, but you know, nope. it, I get the Zolo part, but not the lot. <laughs> All right, Adam, number four. Love Lonnie. All right, number four. No one's seen it. It's one of my favorite international films of the year from coming from Mexico, and that is a film called New Order, directed by Michael Franco. Boom. No one seems to have heard of this movie. Isn't Michael okay. Franco a baseball player? Miguel. Michael. Oh, yeah. Michael. Oh, excuse me. Michael Franco. <laughs> like a Phillies, I think. Julio Franco. Well, no. James Michael Franco. Franco plays for the Royals, but it's minor league. Anyway. So this film takes place in kind of a dystopian kind of future uh, popular uprising in Mexico City. Interrupts a wedding held out a head held at the home of a wealthy family. After the riots have been uh, um, squashed, they discover the bride has gone missing and the plea with the military to help locate her. It's kind of the, the first half of this film is just like so traumatic and kind of just what the hell is going on. There's so many moving parts here, especially when the riots start happening. It is crazy. This is another film that kind of is an Adam movie here. There's so much kind of violence going on. It's really in your face with there. It's definitely a, a dystopian type of film that uh, has some political themes to it as well. Um, and some stuff that's really kind of hard to watch, especially when they start torturing the, some of the people they do kind of hold hostage. But uh, seeing the villains and they're actually uh, the police there that are kind of part, part of uh, the the under corruptness of them down in uh, Mexico. A uh, really crazy story here that uh, my wife was like, I cannot ever watch this movie again, but it was a really cool international film that I uh, definitely, no one's really talking about at all. And I figured need to put it on the radar. And it was one of my four star films this year. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And new order is my number four. Nice. Yeah. I feel Adam like throwing out the foreign film. No one's heard of before. I like the words <laughs> wedding and massacre in an Adam list. Like that yeah, movie ready or not. That's the most Adam movie ever made. And, and I put it in my top 10 just because of how Adam it was. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. That, yeah. I, I, I was going to gonna say kill Bill. Well, that's <laughs> it was a wedding rehearsal. Never mind. It's true. <laughs> true. Way to correct yourself, Todd. All right, Todd, number four. Uh, my number four was Merlot. It is Michael Sarnowski's pig. Yeah. which is on Hulu. And we talked about the movie on the podcast several times, but it's one of the most fascinating movies of the year. Nichols Cage plays Robin. He's a truffle hunter in Oregon. And he, his beloved prized pig gets stolen in the middle of the night. And he has to confront his past in Portland, where he was once a world-class chef. In a, and he is sort of this fish out of water in this strange underworld as he's navigating uh, through to find his, uh, pig and it's nothing like you expect like the setup sounds like a Liam Neeson action movie or something but this is like a really grounded Nicolas Cage role and that is the kind of Nicolas Cage that I love like he open only opens up the cager once I think in the whole movie but I mean it, it's more about like grieving and more about like love than it is about like actual revenge and I keep telling everyone when, that I try to get to watch this movie I'm like don't just like pay attention to the premise it's not about revenge it's not about whether the pig lives or dies it's like a human drama and it's brilliant and a, it's a debut film by michael sarnowski which is just amazing i actually saw that he like a few days ago he signed on to direct a quiet place part three which Whoa. i think is going to be amazing and uh i can't wait to see what, what that looks like but his debut feature pig is i mean it's amazing it's something i'll never forget 
Yeah. Well, it's my turn to talk about this movie now too. I had this at number five. Yeah. This is, uh, I got very John wick esque vibes on under the undercurrent of this movie, but it definitely, you're absolutely right. It's not about really about revenge or anything. It's a, a man grieving at the car, core of the film. Uh, and it's his way of grieving is trying to find this, uh, you know, a, this pig. And I think a lot of the story here is just seeing Nicholas Cage being this, this amazing thespian that we know him to be, but he doesn't have really like cager moments, but it's just seeing his, 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 his whole thread of this film being told and uh, just a really fascinating film that I couldn't keep my eyes off. Definitely had to mention it. And it, it's awesome scenes, little sequences with him berating a chef down that he used to work in Portland with and having this very like preparing a meal and just little things that and the little character moments in this movie is fantastic. So Cage, one of the best performances since Matchstick Men, probably. So uh, definitely a great little Nicolas Cage film here. Number five of my top ten. Yeah, uh, where would where this fall? For best you? Oscar nomination. There's rumors for it. For it, wouldn't that be awesome if you hear that? Nicolas Cage, be, best yeah. actor. It was it Pig. was top twenty five for me. It was top twenty five. It's so it was up there. Little, it's basically little, my West Side Story. For Todd gave West Side Story. I gave Pig. It, yeah, but it, I gave it a thumbs up, though. You, you gave this a shameful thumbs down. Uh, <laughs> I will say uh, it did make me think that if we ever do a recasting for Babe, maybe Nicolas Cage is Farmer Hoggett. That would do, Pig. That would do. <laughs> it's not impossible. That'll do, Pig. That'll do. <laughs> All right, on to me, number three. And number three, I got to Merlot it. It's now time to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. Hmm. Uh, the story of Jonathan Larson told through his own musical um, starring Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Shipp, uh, Robin De Jesus, Vanessa Hudgens, Joshua Henry, uh, Bradley Whitford as Stephen Sondheim. I think that was one of the more poignant things about it is the fact that the, just the timing of how it came out just days after Stephen Sondheim had passed away. Um, but yeah, he's on the brink of turning 30. He's turning 30. And um, and uh, he's battling with trying to get his, his musical off the ground. And he ends up writing a musical later about trying to get his first musical uh, produced. It's, it's just so funny how it all works together like that andrew garfield is is outstanding in this uh the music is amazing the direction is great by the way happy birthday lin-manuel miranda i think he i think it's how he turned 42 today um it, it's it's a brilliant movie it's one of the few movies that i will like voluntarily just turn on and have as background noise and rewatch over and over and over again um and this is this is that movie this year for me so yeah, tick tick boom, just brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah, it was number seven on my list, and uh, I don't even necessarily love the music in it. Like uh, for me, I don't, I don't even really remember a whole lot of the songs. I just remember Andrew Garfield just rocking it in this movie. I mean, that was a banging performance, and uh, he needs an Oscar nomination for it. I think it was his best performance of the year. I know all the stupid freaking Marvel fans out there disagree, but um, it's <laughs> what, uh, what what what. Oh, I yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. That's 
in yeah um <laughs> can we just say like after three days why would anyone even go after everything's been spoiled why even go see that movie i don't know anyway uh yeah andrew garfield uh the andrew garfield comeback tour just continues with this movie and um i gotta say i love the fact that it's about someone who fails i, I can't think of very many other movies about uh people who fail and um, it's not like this movie has that kind of stupid message of, you know, get back up and keep trying. I mean, it's really a movie about a guy who's totally and completely dejected and gets uh, basically, um, you know, no signal that his life is going to be meaningful or successful in any, any way. Of course, we know the truth later, but the movie doesn't really do a whole lot of winking at the audience, which I really like. And uh, it's just fun. It's very entertaining, enthusiastic, and really well-directed, like, the movie looks great. It has some great set pieces and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, there's nothing the guy can't do, but it's, it's just an awesome experience. I, yep. I love, I love also, um, or you're talking about just dealing with, um, with failure and things like that. The fact that Jonathan Larson never knew that he was a success. I mean, he, he died the night before previews were going to start on rent and he yeah. never knew that he that he made it. I think that that adds to the story. Uh, yeah, see, that, see what that I, adds to the story too. What I was afraid of going in the movie is that it was going to be, oh, okay, Jonathan Larson sees that, and that's going to become the inspiration for Rent. Oh, that character, it's just like Rent. And the movie never did that. Like, I it's to the movie's credit, and I, you know, obviously the stage production's credit. Like, it was just much more about this guy struggling with self-doubt and struggling with the people around him, some of whom have not given up on their dreams, others of whom have, have essentially sold out. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a great portrait of someone who is a creative genius um, struggling with uh, the, 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 the self-doubt that destroys a lot of people. And talking about the Andrew Garfield comeback tour that was 2021, don't forget about the eyes of Tammy Faye. I mean, he well, he's yeah, not the reason him. people are thinking about that movie, but he is the, the co-lead in it. True. Yeah, I love yeah. I love Tick Tick Boom too. Just just missed my top ten. Like I was the last minute cut. I was really kind of sad about it, but it's one of those movies that I've definitely been putting on the music and listening to him. Come to Your Senses is one of my favorite songs from this mm. this last year. I really love that. Alexander Ship has never been better in any movie that I've seen her in. Um, but yeah, Garfield, it's awesome. Uh, maybe a, I'm hearing could be a front runner, but it's one of those people in the top five list for best actor. He, he's like the yeah. he's the dark horse. He's the right? dark horse. It's, yeah. it's, is it Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch? Is it Will Smith? And Garfield might might sneak into there. Be the sneak in. Why yeah. is it a comeback though? Like he, it's not hasn't been that long since he made his last movies, right? Yeah, I, I don't. That that's a good question. Hey, I don't know. and I think Fox just said or Sony just said, "Amazing Spider-Man three, it's in the works." Oh great! <laughs> With Andrew Garfield. <laughs> All right, Zach anyway. number three. Also, it's worth knowing that Andrew Garfield is not a trained singer. Like just, just that's a, yeah. He learned to sing for this movie. Put, putting that out there. Uh, okay, number three has been mentioned on this podcast. It is Stillwater, uh, the Tom McCarthy ah, film that got trashed this summer because Matt Damon used some gay slurs and the movie ripped off Amanda Knox's real life. Okay, just and and apparently uh, Matt Damon was not a Trump voter, even though he says he or he was a Trump voter, even though he said he wasn't. Okay, forget all that. 
Uh, I thought this uh, this movie, if had it been released in December, would be, uh, I think, a front runner for Best Original Screenplay nomination. It has a fantastic story that is totally compelling, riveting, unpredictable, goes in a lot of different directions. It's a movie about three different things. It's a murder mystery. It's a movie about a father trying to reconnect with his daughter. And it's a movie about cultural clashes and misunderstandings because of linguistic and cultural barriers. Uh Let's also call this the Matt Damon comeback tour. I mean, he was pretty good. I know you guys didn't love The Last Duel, but I thought he was good in that movie as well. And uh, man, Stillwater is, uh, it's just a movie that really uh, was riveting. I mean, it touched on a, a lot of things that I think are, are on people's minds in COVID and just the last 10 years and how, you know, the, the world struggles to interact with each other because of different belief systems and different languages and different ethnicities and different genders. And I think this is a movie that it's not it's not trying to be crash, okay? But it is trying to say that if you give yourself a if, if you try if you put yourself out there a little bit and you try to give in a little bit and you try to have a little bit of intellectual curiosity and try to have compassion for other people, then maybe you know it's possible to achieve a, a sort of transcendence or achieve a sort of um, levity and, and that uh, you can't really find um, when you're sitting at home isolated working on an oil rig in Oklahoma. So uh, I love this movie. I think it's ambitious and audacious and is not deserving of the criticism it's getting. Um, and uh, I know Todd wasn't a huge fan of the ending, but I think, you know, I, I, the, the movie ha had me engrossed so much that I almost, you know, do whatever you want with the character because I was on board for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking about unfair criticism. I, I, everyone's forgotten this movie. Uh, the, yeah. it, it, is com it is completely out of any conversation for anything, which is, which is sad. I, I think this might be um, Matt Damon's most, like, disappear like he disappeared in this role more than any other role like he's ever had um and, and he's almost unrecognizable not just in his appearance but just in in how he carries himself and how he is in this movie um and i, I also like how you said it's it's three different movies and you think it's one thing and then it completely shifts into something else and it just everything every twist and turn it takes it just draws you in and and makes you makes you just want to pay attention more and it really makes you care for these characters and uh and yeah and abigail breslin i mean it, it's it's one of her best performances especially since being try, trying to break that child actor um you know stigma i, I think this is a movie that really does that and and also, I'm going to say, if you're going to talk about the Matt Damon comeback tour, you can't forget to mention the cryptocurrency uh, commercial. Oh, of course. Yeah. Fortune oh, favors the brave. Oh, no. That's all I have to say. YouTube comments. YouTube videos. <laughs> ads. <sighs> no, too much. Uh, <laughs> anyways, good, good pick. I agree. I agree because it was on my list. All right. Adam, number three. All right, number three is my documentary choice. It's shortlisted for documentary as well. The director, R.J. Cutler, did a film last year that appeared on somebody's top ten. That was the Belushi documentary. And this year he comes out with another bio, uh, bio which is an awesome documentary. Love talking that movie with you uh, this last year. But this one is called Billie Eilish, The World's a Literal Burlary. So it's the Billie Eilish documentary. It's on Apple+. Plus. Uh, this is the... Uh, so as I've noticed having uh, teenagers living in my house, you kind of start listening to their music and you get kind of engrossed in listening to their taking an interest in their 
what they like as well. And Billie Eilish has played a, quite a bit in our house. So I've been listening to it, her music a lot recently. And I was thinking about keeping this movie off, but the more I thought about it and the more I listened to her music, I was like, I have to mention this one in this, this year. This is probably the most um, intimate uh, documentaries I've seen in a very long time. Uh, it's a, it's a, essentially it's a teenager trying to grow up right in front of your eyes and uh, be doing this thing. And, and there's, they're not trying to make glamorize like she's this perfect person. No, she has walked off stages because she got hurt. And she like that pressure of being disappointing people was there. Uh, her music's fantastic in here too, but seeing her struggle with trying to be trying to learn how to drive and try to be this stage performer and learning new songs at uh, Coachella, yeah, Coachella, as well as just seeing all the intimate footage that they were able to get through her um, through into this documentary. RJ Cutler does a great job again with uh, directing this doc, these documentaries that feel really personal and getting really good conversations uh, with the people there too. So Billie Eilish, the world's a little blurry is streaming on Apple plus, and it is a rather long movie at 140 minutes long. And so it's a very personal documentary that I think is, if you're a fan of her music, it's definitely worth a watch. And it's definitely one of the best music documentaries in a long time. So number three. Has this been the greatest year for music documentaries of all time? Could be. <laughs> There's a ton of them. Yeah. And There's they're like, they're like all shortlisted too. It's like, it's, we can see a lot of them. Well, and I feel like, like HBO comes out with a new one, like every other week too. Yeah, but that is true. Yeah, there's a ton of them out there. All right, Todd, number three. My number three is directed by Franz Cr Fran Kranz, and it is Mass. Uh, Merlot. There it is. Ooh. Wow. A Merlot at number three. Okay. That's okay. five, okay. by the way. Franz Kranz. Fran Kranz. Fran Kranz. I, I thought you were talking about Franz, that one movie. That's what I thought, Franz. too. Franz, yeah, like Franz from Franz, yeah. That 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 joke. We should we should add to Adam's uh, bonus every time we hear that one. <laughs> oh god! All right, that means we're moving on to number two, and I'm first. Number two on my list is a movie I watched fairly recently. Um, Todd gave me crap for liking it, I think, or just loving it. Todd gave me crap for loving it. It is Swan Song. Now it is the swan song with Mahershala Ali, not the other swan song. Uh, this one here. is directed by Benjamin Cleary. Uh, yeah, starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Aquafina, Glenn Close, Adam Beach, um, and it is um, it it's a story of of um, someone dealing with the fact that they've just been diagnosed with a with a disease that is going to kill them, and how are they going to break the news to their family or are they going to take this new technology that is out there and clone themselves so their family never has to lose them? Um, it's a story of loss. It's a story of of dealing with loss. Um, it's a sci-fi movie, but in a very grounded way. Um, it's uh, it's it looks at new situations because of what it's able to do with the sci-fi. Um, premise that it throws out there that there is this technology where you never have to feel or you never have to allow the people you love to feel the loss just you feel the loss because you're the one that's dying um it, it's brilliant mahershala ali is is brilliant i'm 
it's so sad he's not getting any recognition for this, but it he deserves it so much. Um, I I loved this movie. It had me riveted, and and like I said, it's this grounded sci-fi, but yet exploring such real human emotion that we can all relate to. Uh, so uh, number two on my list is Mahershala Ali's Swan Song. Wow, not Udo Kier. No, 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 not not, not the on. other one. We talked I mean, about it, was... it not that long ago. Was it a couple two weeks ago? Last week? I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah, two weeks ago. Last one big, time. Our big catch up. So I think we'll have to take your word for it, Terry. It's on Apple Is TV it? Plus. So Zach's never going to see no, it. I'm not going to get to it. Five ninety nine is too much. Yeah. All right, Zach, number two. All right, number two. So last year, Adam's number Adam took us all by surprise with his number one that he pulled out of his back pocket. And we were like, how the hell did you see that? I wish I could say the worst person in the world. I haven't seen it. Um, but uh, his number two movie, or excuse me, his number one movie of last year beat out my number two movie for best international film. Oh, and okay. <laughs> that film, my number two, is Covatus Aida. Now, again, are we calling this a 2021 movie, calling yes. it a 2020 movie? I'm calling it a 2021 movie. That's when it got released in the United States. That's when I saw it. It came out in March. And uh, this movie has not left my mind since I saw it. In fact, it's only grown in stature. I remember thinking at the time of the Oscars, okay, another round. It's a pretty good movie, you know, whatever. But I think Kovada Saida is a greater movie. It tells the story, the true story. I, well, it's a fictionalized version of true events, I should say. And it, it, it is the Srebrenica massacre in uh, uh, Bosnia. And I'm sorry if I butchered the name. That took place in 1995. Uh, I think a lot of us are familiar with the Bosnian War vaguely that took place during that time, but not really the true atrocities of it. It doesn't really get fully explored in the United States uh, the, to the degree that it should, because thousands of people were massacred and brutally murdered by, by this regime, the this, this Serbian regime that came in. Um, and the movie stars uh, Jasna Juricic as Aida, and she is a translator who is uh, working at this base in which all of these Bosnian, uh, Muslim Bosnians have been rounded up and brought basically to keep uh, captured. And so she has to broker the deals between the UN peacekeepers and uh, the Bosnians, but also the Serbian, the, the Serb generals, and uh, all with this kind of, um, you know, hanging overhead the idea that this army could be coming in and potentially massacring all these people, um, and there might not be enough ways to get out. And what's, of course, uh, you know, not just the the ton, the ton of uh, people there from her village, but also her family is there. And so as a, as a as a translator, she has this unique ability to actually have some stature in this situation. And she tries to broker deals where her, her family can get saved, but sometimes they have to kind of stay in the background as well. She has to think about herself, her family, and her her her, 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 her uh, village. Um, boy, this movie is just devastating. I mean, it's been compared to Hotel Rwanda, Schindler's List a bit, but it's more immediate than those movies. It feels like there is a ticking clock in this movie, and it there there is a conclusion that is staggering inevitable and so poignant and then it actually has an additional chapter too that kind of looks back after the events of this movie which really take place over the span of three or four days at this camp um gosh i mean this movie is uh it, it, it i think it it shows again how um you know cultures 
uh, have uh, are deeply fragmented. It shows how institutions and bureaucracies have these perverse systems of funneling communication that get lost in translation. And all at the centerpiece of this is this one woman who, um, you know, is really torn. And uh, it's really sad what happens to her. And uh, again, I don't want to say too much, but it's a devastating performance. And it's a movie that I think will get remembered in, in the following decades is a great a war movie, but a, also a great humanist story, not one of necessarily triumph, but of dealing with uh, these real sad ordeals and adversity. And uh, I, it's, it's unforgettable. It's also my number two. It's uh, Yasmina Jurisic is my best actress winner. I think she is amazing. I, I've never seen that actress before, but she is incredible. Like this is a masterclass also in editing. Like you're saying, like, I mean, the, the way it's put together, it's most intense like breathless movie I've seen in quite a while. And I, I knew nothing about the conflict going in, but like this is going to forever shape like what I think about it. It doesn't exploit anything. It's just this really specific story about the, like this woman in the middle of this conflict. And it just like, you, it leaves you breathless and speechless watching it. I I mean, the final scene also is just incredible. I, it, it, it's a movie I haven't stopped thinking about since I watched it like over a year ago now, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's available on Hulu and Canopy, so you can actually watch this movie. It's not just one of those movies that's going to be forgotten. So, Yeah, and you know, you think like, okay, war, Bosnia, you get a language barrier, you get a circumstance that maybe you're not familiar with, and you think, oh, this is a hard movie to watch. I mean, it's going to be hard to understand, and there's going to be violence in it, so it's going to be rough to watch. And the truth is, it's not. It is. It's actually a, a gripping movie that uh, if you allow yourself, if you put down the phone, right, it, this the story is absolutely gripping and actually very easy to follow. What's tough about it is the emotional sort of journey that she has to make because the decisions that she makes in this movie impact so many people in so many different ways. So don't don't be uh, intimidated by the story because, um, like all great movies, it's it, it's 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 uh, it's too short and um, it's just uh, engrossing. If you yeah, put like together it. like Hotel Rwanda and like District Nine or something, that's what you get when you Ooh. get this movie. And it's Bosnia, but in, in in a way, it almost could be anywhere. There's like there's universal sort of uh, currency to the movie. Yeah, like I said, if I was going to catch one more 2021 movie before we record this today, it was going to be Quovada Saida. I just didn't get to it, and now I wish I had. Yeah, me too. Hearing, I was going to just that... like assign you this like three months ago, and you said, no, I'll just watch it because I should, and you still haven't. So I know, nice. I know, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, I, I, I should have watched it instead of Tragedy of Macbeth, but I watched that instead. But the witches were so good. They were really good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Adam, number two. All right. I think uh, Zach made kind of a betting odd on this a few months ago when he, he had saw this. Like, this is going to be totally like, I would put money on this if this would appear on Adam's list. Do you have any idea what movie I'm talking about? Uh, uh, no Zach? clue. Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not Spider-Man. Um, the Novice, number two. The ah. Novice. Oh, the rowing total, movie. Total Adam movie. Yeah, no wedding massacres, one. though. Yeah, yeah. No wedding massacres. <laughs> but we do this. We see a, a young lady massacre some rows. So it's actually, uh, as I was watching this, I felt more uh, in, connected to it. My Actually, my stepsister actually uh, rode for the Cougars. Uh, she was doing that for several years. So that's really kind of cool that see that but seeing a different uh, movie dedicated to rowing it has a lot of whiplash vibes here as well the direction from uh, lauren hadaway is uh really awesome i think the edits here are really 
really well done and some of the transitions between scenes and seeing her um the the main actress uh, who is actually Isabel uh Fuhrman Fier- uh gives a great performance here as um Alex who is this the who is um her one mindset is just perfection in general and just everything else kind of goes by the wayside that's where you can see a lot of the comparison between her and um Miles Teller's character in Whiplash there. It's uh, definitely perfection here. And uh, seeing her kind of slow slow deterioration from uh, in her mind there between uh, what her goal is and between the, the rest of the, uh, the real, her relationships and as well as her studies. Uh, it's just fascinating. The music and the score kind of really kind of pulls you into that that world here. And the, the final scene... Um, is kind of remember it kind of reminds me of a little bit of my number 10 film pleasure it kind of has very similarity similarities there too so uh but this is awesome and i didn't realize that i don't know if you guys ever heard of a movie called orphan um it was like a horror oh, yeah. film from yeah so that's actually that actress oh yeah she she's the, the, she, the orphan. she's also I had in no uh, idea. hunger games she's yeah, great she played in hunger games yeah and escape room which is a very under escape room 2 which is actually a pretty decent movie this year too but yeah she was really cool to see her back in the movie and leading and is going to be my vote for Spirit Award because I've seen them all. So, although that act, that category anyway. So, really awesome performance. Well, all you're, right. you're, you're welcome, so, Adam. I'm glad I turned you on to it. Thank you. That right when I got those nominations, I was like, that's the first one I'm watching, and that's the first <laughs> one I absolutely love. So, thank you so much. It's a total well, Adam movie. I feel like Todd would like it too. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet, unfortunately. All right. Well, Todd already talked about his number two, which means it is now time the best for movies. number one. Our number one films no of 2021. Do we know what anyone's number one is? I, I mean, I yes. think we know Adams. I know Adams, and I know Terry's. I have no and idea, I, what and I know mine actually. I have no idea what Terry's is. I'm not even sure I know mine. <laughs> I thought Terry's was Tick Tick Boom. At, leading oh, up to the police. oh, I know what Terry's is. Yeah, I, th- I think if you if you think about it, yeah, I think yeah. If you've paid attention, at Mitchell's some point, versus Machines, of course, of course. No. Oh, yeah. my my no. number one, uh, my number one. Actually, I think it it's a great companion piece with Swan Song because it's very kind of similar oh. in in it. It's Nine Days. You're welcome nine days for making that comparison, one. Terry. What? You're welcome for me making that comparison before. Yeah, I mean, it it totally is. So. Uh, so yeah, Nine Days is my number one. This movie uh, that was written and directed by Edson Oda. Uh, it stars Winston Duke and Benedict Wong and uh, Zazie Beetz, Tony Hale, Bill Skarsgård. Uh, and it is, I, the description on IMDb is perfect. It says a reclusive man conducts a series of interviews with human souls for a chance to be born. Uh, and and that's really what, what it's about. And, and again, just like Swan Song, it's this grounded sci-fi vibe but uh very much deals with a lot of human emotions so it's a winston duke plays this guy whose job it is to observe and watch people live their lives and when one of them dies he is given uh, a group of people that he has to interview and and uh and interrogate basically to decide which one uh is going to replace that person and in his observation studio and be born. And over nine days, he interviews them. And uh, just this idea of, of him, it, it's a great character study because it's him dealing with uh, 
looking at what does he think are going to be the qualities that are going to make a successful human. And, and it's just a fascinating watch and, and, and the way he, he works through it and the way he conducts it and that, what he's looking for, it's so fascinating. And then, and the way it ends, I mean, the ending of this movie is just beautiful in, in the way it's shot and the way it's performed and the script of, of how it's written. It, it is just the most perfect ending to this brilliantly original movie. Uh, I absolutely loved Nine Days. And uh, it was it was tough between I, I was going back and forth. Am I going to pick Swan Song or am I going to pick Nine Days? I wanted to watch both of them again this week before I decided, but I didn't get a chance to. So anyways, I'm going Nine Days. That's my number one. If you would have put money on who would have had a the Winston Duke movie on, Terry would not have been. <laughs> the, it would have been me. Uh, I, I, well played. I well played. Third. Yeah, I had this at number 13 on my list or number 15. Sorry, 15. Yeah, it, it, it's a great performance, a uh, great movie there. I, I do love Winston Duke and Sassy Beats. It's good. Weird nomination for Benedict Wong, Benedict Wong last year's Spirit Award nominee there. Oh, yeah, uh, that is weird. That is weird. Yeah. So, uh, no, yeah, Winston Duke is great in here. It's we don't we get a lot of movies about life after death, but we don't get a lot of movies about life before birth. Yeah. So it's kind of a good little uh, good little film here there. Uh, I like Adam. The, you saw this like a year and a half ago, right? I did. Yeah. So it was a very recent drop off on my top ten. Like it, it was up there for quite a long time. Like I'm sad that it's not on my top ten, but I saw. Yeah, I saw it last year. A yeah, great, great movie there, and I, I love Winston Duke, as we all know. So I watched I this movie was... in my hotel room in Vegas a year ago, like almost to the day. Wow. <laughs> I have uh, it yeah. my number sixty nine of the year. Nice. But I mean, I, I do like the movie to an extent, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what is with Terry in these, uh, these last couple. I don't know. So I watched, <laughs> I watched this movie this morning. I, 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 oh, this is the, I, I had a feeling this is the one you referenced. It was going to be on Terry's list. I saw that you guys also gave it positive reviews and I hate to be the downer. I guess maybe that's a theme this year, but it's, it makes sense that it's your number one movie, Terry, because my biggest flaw with the movie is that it is too happy and too like feel good and sappy, and it's like all these characters have 100% redeeming qualities. There's not a bad apple in the bunch, which kind of makes you think like, what's the point of this whole contest that they go through? I mean, they're all good. They're they're all deserving. None of them have any flaws in any way. Even the Tony Hale character. That's that's the real reason I think uh, Terry has a number one is Tony Hale. Uh, but it's like, um, you know, it, it has a very saccharine view of the afterlife, which I'm not really into. I also kind of hated the whole first person like looks at everybody's life, like uh, hardcore Henry. That looked so fake to me. I mean, that was like it was so obvious that it was just like, you know, doing it for the mo- the purpose of the movie. I did like the last five minutes. That was interesting. But in a way, to quote another critic, the movie didn't deserve it. It's like it. It had a cute, uplifting ending. I feel like it's the kind of movie you like in high school. I feel like if I had seen this movie in high school, I would have really dug it. I would have dug like that it had sort of a different worldview. But I'm kind of like, well, then how is the world so messed up? If all these people, if you, if you're if if you're gonna get born, you have to go through these rigorous moral tests. So how is anyone a bad person? Is the world just that corruptive of a force? I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 debunking the movie too much. Dang, when did this become like bash your number one? movie terry it's a two and a half star movie i'm sorry i just i I, it's fresh in my mind that's all 
I'm I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I, mean, I saw it too. And Winston it, Duke is, is great in it. He's he's like a he's like a high school social studies teacher. That's that's <laughs> he's like he's like Mr. Feeney. You want to console him? You want to you know he's gonna pat you on the back. That's Someone fair. needs to cast him as a high school teacher. That's fair. I'll take that. Well, Captain and, and I mean, all these movies, someone's yeah, got to hate I got it. Dead I mean... Poet Society vibes from the movie. Like, that that's kind of what it felt like, but <laughs> in a weird, abstract way. All right. Okay. Well, Zach, what's your number? Oh, I think we all know what your number one is. I know what your yeah. number one is. Yeah, my number one is a documentary. This hasn't happened since 08. Uh, it is my favorite documentary of the year. It is The Rescue directed by Jimmy Chin and Shai Virish. That's not what I thought your number one was going to be. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, what did you wow. think my number one was going to be? I thought it was going to be Bo Burnham Inside. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm that's not, what I thought, too. I'm not considering that a movie. I'm, I'm just going to pull a Todd. It's about it damn time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think Todd. It only right. took like 11 months for you to yeah, figure that out. You're, you're right. I'm not considering it a movie. I don't know what it is, but it's not my number one. No, oh, bummer. I okay. I love the rescue. I mentioned it on the podcast when I saw it, um, and it is the extra. It is from the filmmakers of Free Solo, which was a movie on my top ten of the decade list. So these filmmakers are really onto something. I I love the way that um, they you know they, they go to places on our planet that we have never seen before, and it never feels like a nature documentary. This movie was produced by National Geographic, but it doesn't feel at all like you know anything David Attenborough would host. I mean, this is the story, the true story of. The rescue in the cave in Thailand in 2018 of 13 school-aged boys and their soccer coach. And, uh, you know, they got stuck in this cave because a monsoon suddenly came and swept them up. And the Thai Navy SEALs tried to rescue them, but they quickly realized that none of them were able to do cave diving. That just wasn't something that they were remotely trained to do. So they had to send in this team of basically these old... 50-year-old guys from Britain who did it as a hobby. Uh, their names are Rick Stanton, John Volanthan, and Connor Rowe. And they talk in this movie about um, the actual process that they had to go through to fly to Thailand, interact with the Thai Navy SEALs, and actually rescue these kids. And again, I don't want to say too much about the movie because um, it, was a it was an international global event when it happened. I remember when it happened vaguely, but it's best to go into the movie without knowing too much of the detail. It's called The Rescue for a reason, okay? There is a rescue. But what's cool about the movie is that this is a journey that is inside a mine, underwater, inside a cave excuse me and so it's hard to figure that there were any cameras there there is some footage there's also some footage that are recreations in this movie but you know uh this is the story of how they actually did this improbable rescue and the closest cinematic comparison i have to it and i gotta say it terry is apollo 13 this movie feels like a <laughs> documentary apollo 13 because it is unbelievable the shit that they go through. And if President Nixon were to have asked what are the odds of this rescue happening, I wouldn't have said three to one. I would have said 3,000 to one because there were so many things from the weather. There's no typhoon warning, but uh, there was a type, you know, there's a monsoon, right? Uh, to the, the, the language barriers, to the inability of the, of the Thai Navy SEALs to, 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 to be able to cave dive, uh, to, to um, all of these forces. I mean, these kids are star they're, they're starving and the oxygen is running low, just like Apollo 13. And uh, I just got to say, these 
these guys are heroes. Uh, they risk their lives. They, 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 this was something that they did on their leisure time as a hobby. And so to risk their lives um, and uh, do what they did, an ultimate sacrifice, is uh, it's an amazing story. I went into this movie. I was 50-50 when I was going to see this movie. I was like, okay, a documentary about you know this rescue, whatever. This movie blew me away. It is so entertaining, so gripping and grossing and unpredictable. And it's a reminder that documentary just sometimes is the best stories. And uh, it's just, it's unforgettable stuff. And ouch. Is that, well, yeah, hey, you know what? Nine days. Hey, those kids were in the cave for 13 days. Okay. So it's a greater struggle there. 13 days. Uh, my mother-in-law's favorite movie, by the way. Well, there we go. That, that's different. This movie's um, streaming on Disney Plus. Yeah, everybody, I was gonna say the rescue it. is on Disney Plus, so it's easy to see. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if any of us have watched it. Oh man, we need to watch oh. this movie. You had time for the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain and uh, you know, whatever <laughs> crap Adam watched, whatever the that uh that uh, aquarium of the dead was, but no time for the rescue. <laughs> cool, yeah. yeah. I don't think Kenneth Chamberlain actually had a higher Rotten Tomatoes rating than that movie. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> and it sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's more than just a nature documentary. I would also say, in regard, going back a little bit to Nine Days, it is also, in a weird way, the most spiritual movie of 2021. You have to kind of watch it to find out why, but there is a lot about faith and spirituality in the movie that is uh, really fascinating and, and rewarding. I'll have to watch more. that one. More than All American right. underdog? No. Well, <laughs> I mean. Anyway. Kurt Warner probably could have done it himself. Rescue <laughs> there you go. Adam, number one. Number one. I just remember I reloaded it earlier. Here we go. That is Space too. Jam 2. No. Uh, that is Mass. Really? Mass. This is yeah. just a master class in uh, storytelling performances. It's a master class? Yeah. Mm, yeah yeah <laughs> that was intentional kind of uh Very. but it essentially it's just it, it's a story of uh two sets of uh, parents uh, having a conversation in a, a, a single setting um uh, one parent uh, is uh there because their uh, their son has died the other set of parents is there because their son had killed the other uh, set of you know the other son and it is uh just a conversation going back between these parents and how they're feeling and what had happened and uh, learning about each other's sons. And it is a heartbreaking scene. That is a, a film that's really hard to keep back tears because this is an ongoing issue in our country too. Uh, I, I did some research about it. Uh, I was trying to figure out if it was based off a specific one, but uh, wasn't as based off a specific shooting that, but it was, I think the there was one in Florida that was kind of the reason the Fron uh, Kranz had decided that she was going to start making this story. Uh, but seeing the performances between uh, Reed uh, Bernie and Dow, Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton here, uh, some of the most heartbreaking and best performance by an ensemble all year. It's it's criminally not being recognized by any award circuit right now. And Dowd, uh, I think, could even – I would love to see her sneak in. Any one of these actors sneak into any one – any category in, um, that's being – to be nominated and be recognized because it, they're that damn good. They feel real. And it's just a heartbreaking thing. There is some uh, moments in the film that are 
awkward and kind of there's some uh, humor there that does break up it but it just feels like uh, it's awkward like uh, what do i how do i respond here and you can feel the, the kind of that weight in the conversation there too so uh, mass I, when I, was, I was putting my list together i was like this was my last minute change i had this at number two but i was like no this has to be my number one film it's just the one probably the more powerful film so you'll watch all year yeah yeah that is my number three and yeah it, it's a masterpiece for sure i like, I mean, it's as Todd movie of setup as to get. I mean, it's like four actors is in a room together just talking. And it's kind of a perfect movie. It's essentially Carnage, which I still don't think any of you guys have seen, right? Have any of you actually watched that? No. Well, it's essentially Carnage without the A-list cast and with a debut filmmaker and not Roman Polanski directing it. I mean, it's the best ensemble of the year. It's the best screenplay of the year by far. And it, it seems like a tough sell, but there's so much just intensity in how this story is told with like these four people just sitting in a room as like a therapeutic kind of thing, like years after this like school shooter thing happened. It, it's fascinating. And I I mean, as you learn more about the characters and you learn more about their kids, I mean, it's it just, it's a pleasure to watch. And I mean, like everyone has their favorite in the cast. Mine's Martha Plimpton. I think it's the best yeah. performance that anybody gave in 2021, lead or supporting, male or female. Like she is devastating. And I mean, she kind of reminds me of like my of, of some of my own family members. It, it's I mean, it, it's a shame that it ha- doesn't get the, the awards love that it should. It's because it's not really readily available to stream probably. It's only avail- available to rent at this point, which kind of sucks. Because, I mean, you could easily watch this in, in, like, on your TV, and it wouldn't make much of a difference if you watched it in the theater or not. It's, um, yeah. It, I mean, it's a fascinating movie. And, uh, I, I I mean, it sucks that you guys haven't seen it, Perry and Zach. But, I, I just mean, saw I'm it. sure you will. Oh, you I did watch it. it. I just watched it yesterday. And? Uh, I liked it. I liked it more than nine days. Uh, it's a three-star movie for me. I think it has really great performances. I agree. I think it has the same problem, the same weird problem as Power of the Dog. There's too much off screen. And the characters keep referring back to things that happen that we don't fully get a picture of. I'm not saying the movie needed to have flashbacks, but I think that there's a little too much reliance on that. Um, I think Reed Burney is probably my favorite performance. I think he might have the most challenging performance because he has this sort of aura that he's trying to project in the movie that is basically just shutting off emotionally from what happened and you see him really struggle with that um and it's fascinating it's about i think the movie's a little too long and i don't understand the first 10 minutes why it needed to be there but um i like it i think it, it is a, it's a fascinating story about things setting that, up the setting up the story like it, i mean it just it I was like, okay, we don't need, I, we don't need, I, we, we, we want to get to the, the meat of the story. What I like about it, though is that it's a, it's a part of that. St- There's a story in this movie, a larger story about school shootings, about violence, and 99% of other movies actually show what happened. This is the aftermath that gets totally neglected in these stories. And I think it's also about bravery and courage on the part of all four of these people and their, and their noble characters. Maybe that's another flaw with it too, is maybe I needed, needed all four of them have too many redeeming qualities. Maybe I, I, I wanted one of them to be more of a, more of an asshole, but that, you know, it's, it's fine. I it's think too, depending too on who, which perspective you look at, they all could be assholes, but they're all that see to me, they're all too redeemable. It's like none of the, all of them had suffered tremendous tragedy and I like the tension in it, but to me, it's like I, I have a I to me I have a hard time understanding why 
even the Jason Isaacs character would react as uh, uh, violently as, as he does at, at times in the movie. But it's a good movie, and I respect your guys' pick. Okay. And I need to see it. I do. I yeah. Do. Terry's got absolutely going to be more on Adam and my side, but I mean, probably. Maybe not in his top 10, but I mean, he's going he's gonna to like it a lot more. All right. Well, Todd, you're the last one. Number one. So this is this is the the point where we get to that point where Miles is trying to describe like you know the day after yesterday, and he's just like, if you want to stop li- watching or listening or reading at any time, I will not be offended because nobody knows this movie. I think it has a thousand votes in IMDb, and I watched this movie in August. It was a Netflix original Japanese movie called A Family. It's not even actually billed as that on IMDb. It's uh, called Yakuza and the Family. It's directed by. Mid- Michihito Fujii. And uh, I watched this actually again just like two days ago, just to make sure I wasn't crazy. The sim- similar way I did to Blue Story last year, which is still by far the best movie of 2020. Uh, this is a movie, it's about Kenji, played by Go Oyano, who he is, uh, he's like a young man. His father dies, and he uh, falls in with this Yakuza boss play, uh, named Hiroshi. And um, he becomes like a father figure to him, sort of. He winds up doing time, and when he gets out, there's these like anti-Yakuza laws that come into place, and that so the Yakuza are kind of dying out. And Kenji doesn't really know anything else but being his life as a gangster, and so and his wife and his child uh, that he didn't really know very well uh, are sort of persecuted for even associating with him. And it takes what you think the movie is going to be going in, which is like some sort of like pseudo like cool Wong Kar Wai kind of gangster movie and it is that for a little bit but then it really flips it on its ear and it becomes this, like really engaging crime story that, in a way that like Scorsese might make and like in his, his early years uh, the actors are all amazing Ayano especially and uh, Michiko Ono uh, plays his wife Yuka she is also uh, one of the best supporting actresses of the year it's critical of like Yakuza culture, but it's also sympathetic of the like these aging gangsters who are being ostracized from society. Uh, I was so incredibly enthralled by this movie because I went in thinking it was going to be one thing as like a slick, you know, gangster movie. And I'm grateful that it was something else because it's stunning. And the final scenes make it what it is, which is the best movie of 2021. And I don't even know. I don't know anyone else has even heard of this movie. It's, I mean, it came on Netflix midway through last year, but a family or Yakuza and the family, whatever you want to call it. That is the best movie of 2021. I think your best take of 2021 is that this is like the scene in sideways when miles says you can stop reading it at any time. (laughs) That was a nice use of that as an, as an analogous example. Well done. Yeah. I mean, and that, that was what I knew it was going to be like, because I knew no one else would have watched this, but you really should. I thought it was going to be uh, the one you told me to watch, um, Smells Like Cows, or... Uh, uh, Calm With Horses. Calm With Horses, yeah. That's 2020. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Smells Like Cows. Smells Like Cows. Smells Like Cows. That's what I always say Enum is like, just smells like cows. <laughs> uh okay all right so we got well, a japanese movie that no one's heard of a documentary a movie with four actors and nine days <laughs> thank you 
Thank you. And no mention of Spider Man. No mention of Spider Man. No. Wow! Holy cow! Uh, it was it's the Power one the that dog. was left off the list. Where was Power of the Dog? Yeah, I had to I had to get the clicks with the Spider Man. That's why I put that there. Todd, I thought I thought you were gonna say Drive My Car because I know that that yeah. had to be close. But we'll we'll get to that because it's time for honorable mentions. Um, so my honorable mentions, I've got. We usually do eleven to fifteen. Um, I'm gonna do eleven to twenty because so yeah. I, like I said, I rate from ele- from on a scale of a hundred. Eleven to twenty all had the exact same rating, and I rated them, but I I want to mention them all because they all are right there. Uh, number eleven was Malcolm and Marie, uh, which was my. 2021 movie. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 2021 movie. That was here. Anyways, number 12 was Dune. Number 13, uh, Bo Burnham Inside. I'll have it on there since it wasn't actually in my top 10. Uh, 14, The Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, 15, No Time to Die. 16, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, 17, In the Heights. 18, Worth. 19, Belfast. And number 20, Come From Away. I don't even know what that movie is. It is. It's, a, it's, it's a kind of like it's a Plus. musical. It's kind of like a, uh, a, a Hamilton-like recording of a of a um, their stage production on Broadway. It's on Apple TV Plus. You need to watch it. It's pretty good. It's about um, it's about uh, one of the September 11th and one of the planes that had to be diverted like on from like. France on its way to Texas and it was diverted to some random airport in Newfoundland. Oh, I heard about that movie. Yeah. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. All right. Zach, honorable mentions. All right. 20 through um, 11. Tw- really? Okay. Well, 20 <laughs> I 20 I actually mentioned, uh, which was First Blush. I, I, mis- I, I mischaracterize the movie. It's not necessarily about a, a couple that has a threesome. They actually have a, a polyamorous relationship. So it was my favorite indie uh, mumblecore movie of the year. 19 is uh, Licorice Pizza. 18 is The Killing of Two Lovers. 17 is Passing. 16 is No Sudden Move. 15, a movie I really wanted to put on my top 10. I couldn't justify it, though. Barb and Star. Now, can we just say that Barb and Star is the funniest movie of the year? I know Todd's going to yes. agree. But I like if we're just talking from a purely like fun movie-going standpoint, Barb and Star should have made my top 10 list. I just I love it. Number 14 is Shiva Baby. Number 13 is Slalom. Number 12 is The Green Knight. And number 11 is The Power of the Dog. The only thing I wanted to add was that um, so the, the Rescue uh, was my number one movie of the year. However... If the Netflix series Made had been a movie, that would have been my number one of the year. And uh, like an early 2000s movie starring Ashley Judd. Yes, it probably should have it been. It would have been, but it's impossible because it's 10 hours long and Todd's obviously giving me shit for it. But it's, uh, it, it was the best fictional storytelling I saw all year, but it's not a movie. And I would also give a shout out to Queen's Gambit too, which, which would have made my top 10 list if it was a movie. Was you'd agree on that, years? Todd, right? That was 2020. Oh, yeah, okay. That, that, that well, I, I, been like I September 2021. Okay, well, never mind. All right, Adam on mentions. Uh, number 20. Well, I don't know. There's some movies I want to mention here. Uh, number, I guess number 20, This Is Not a War Story. Uh, 19, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
18, the Suicide Squad. 17, the Mitchells vs. the Machine. Uh, 16, the Power of the Dog. 15, Nine Days. 14, Spencer. 13, Quiet Place. 2, 12, Tick, Tick, Boom. And number 11, The Killing of Two Lovers. That's the one with a huge shout out of Malignant, which is just a fun horror film that you should watch. That's number 21. All right, Todd. Well, Queen's Gambit came out October of 2020, and I know that Zach watched that before I did, and I watched that like a month after, so I know that there was nowhere close to 2021. Oh, it was 2021. I think I watched it in February. No, you didn't. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay. uh, You're telling me when I watched it? (laughs) Yeah, because you told me to watch it in like November of 2020 but uh okay my number 20 is paper spiders number 19 nobody uh 18 passing number 17 this is not a war story 16 the lost daughter 15 is where i have red rocket 14 the power of the dog 13 is a very todd movie only two actors in the whole movie mark duplass and uh the director star of the movie language lessons uh, which is awesome. Probably the best thing that ever came out of quarantine. Uh, number 12 is small engine repair. And number 11 is where I've drive my car. Unfortunately, just missed out because, I mean, it would have made it if I didn't watch uh, The Heart of They Fall this just last week. And because my number one was a Japanese movie, so I couldn't have two. I mean, I could have, but, you know. You can't have two Japanese movies on your top 10? A Family is better than uh, Drive My Car. Hey, and better than every to- other movie. Wait till you see Seven Days because that's a fun quarantine movie. It's like very When Harry Met Sally in quarantine. And another Mark Duplass. Man. And Mark Duplass as Big Daddy. Yeah. Are we are we watching this fourth down? Oh wait, it, what's happening? Oh, it didn't get it. Didn't get it. That that ends a game. Well, they have three timeouts left. But yeah, it pretty much ends a game. All right, uh, incomplete pass. Is that what you're saying? Hold on a yeah. second. I think the Niners just won. I'm gonna win. Oh, I, okay. I, no, no, it's not over. They're at the. They're still in their own. They're in San Francisco territory still. It's not over. People are popping in this live stream. We're, we're reacting to the football game right now. Yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> so let let's wrap this up, and we're gonna wrap this up with the reveal of our top five, our site's top five of 2021. The five. Um, I don't even know what that's gonna look like. Now, now this is, is kind of crazy. Um, so mass has been rolling, right? There were only six overlaps. Ah oh, um, man, I said four and a half. Okay, so there, what do you there were over? six overlaps, um, which is the fewest overlaps since 1987. I just went back and looked. Oh, wow, there we go. Um, the fewest nice. amount of overlaps since 1987, and and there are all the overlaps are only on two lists. This is the this is only I, I've got our top fives figured out all the way back to 1954 right now. This is only the third time that the most amount of overlap was only on two lists. 1987 and 1959 being the other two times. Every other year, a film p- appears on at least three lists. Um, so this is this is one of the most diverse lists. 34 different movies are represented on this list, and uh, I think that's the most of all time. That is the that's most awesome. of all time. That's awesome. That is unbelievable. Thanks, yeah. thanks to the pandemic. 
But even like like last year was the last year was the pandemic year. But last year, uh, we had like Sound of Metal and The Father that were on all four of our lists, and then we had Nomadland and Palm Springs that were on three of the lists. So, okay. Anyways, here we go. Number five on our top five is Stillwater. (laughs) Number number four is Tick Tick Boom. That should be number one. That was quad approved. But it wasn't on your guys' lists. Oh, no. uh, number three is Pig. Okay, I accept. Number two is Quovada Saida. And number one is Mass. Now, by the way, I, I actually calculate this. Mass and Quovada Saida were tied because um, one was a first and a third and the other was a second and a second. But the tiebreaker is someone had it number one. So Mass is number one, Quovada Saida two, Pig three, Tick Tick Boom four, Stillwater five. And the only other the only other overlap was West Side Story. That's number six. It could That's be that one was that one was quad approved compared to Stillwater. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that, that that's that's insane. All right, because yeah. Adam had like the most indie list I've ever heard. Like. <laughs> <laughs> More than I could ever I dream you. of doing. Yeah, Dune and a bunch of like <laughs> spirit nominees. Well, let's let's wrap like this it. up. Quote of the daytime. Quote of the daytime. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. Let's uh, finish this up. I'll start. Uh, my quote of the day. It comes from one of my top ten movies, which I hope all of ours do at some point. Um, and it is from Tick Tick Boom. It is my favorite lyric of the of the movie. It's the opening of the song Therapy, and it's just simply, I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said about what you said about. Me not being able to share a feeling. There you go. That's my, that's my quote. It sounded like it could have been from Bo Burnham inside. Yeah. <laughs> that song about turning Get 30 is also hands quite up. out of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. Get yeah. No. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, there's my there's my uh, there's my quote for you guys. I, I that thing that song has been rolling through my head ever since I I heard it the first time, and now my kids sing it because I play it in the house. <laughs> nice. All right, Zach. Quote of the day. I wanted my quote of the day to be from Stillwater, but instead I'm going to choose the movie that the band Stillwater is in, and that is almost famous. In case you didn't know, and uh, which I recently actually did watch. And uh, there's a great line in it from Penny Lane. I always tell the girls, never take it seriously. If you never take it seriously, you never get hurt. You always have fun. And if you get lonely, just go to the record store and visit your friends. And we don't take things too seriously here. But uh, this feels like a record store with some friends. I also really wanted to use the quote, want to see me feed a mouse to my snake. But I thought that was a little irrelevant. (laughs) Real Topeka people. Real Topeka people, man. Adam, quote of the day. All right. I have a couple here. Uh, I'm going to 
obviously we have some of the my most memorable quotes that gets repeated throughout the movie is from Halloween Kills. Evil dies tonight. I guess I just have to throw that out there because it's it's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, also, uh, no time to die. It's do you know what time it is? It's time. It's there's it's time to die. But but my my quote is actually coming from the Suicide Squad. I'll just say that. Where is it? Okay, this is um, Ratcatcher uh, talking to Ratcatcher number two. Uh, Taika Waititi's character saying, um, "Rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures, my love. If they have purpose, so do we all. And our purpose here at Almost Sideways is to give." awesome movie reviews and conversation to you all so make sure you subscribe so there we go anyways that's my very nice way way to pull it together way to pull it together todd wrap us up uh my quote is a reflection of the fact that i had zero four-star movies in 2021 but i was constantly (laughs) looking for one so my quote comes from the card counter which is from uh William Tell, the main character, he says, poker is all about waiting. Hand after hand, hours pass, days pass. Hand after hand, each hand like the hand before. Then something happens. Unfortunately, nothing happened in 2021, but I, I had a decent list, I think. Very nice. You did. Very nice. Stay in bounds. Debo just got the first down. That's it. It's over. It's over. And our podcast is over. Thank you guys so much for listening and experiment, experiencing this uh, live stream with us. More like experimenting, it. yeah. Uh, and uh, this will be mm-hmm. posted. Short on... of the first down. I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't think he did. Short. Anyways, this will be on on our podcast channel in the next couple days. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.